You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. What a show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us Kyle from the Grange Barber. How are you? Good on Dave. It's good to be here with you on a Monday night as the last day of July. That's right. And that means uh, in a big week for football fans as we have guys reporting. Is it uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, Bubba? They report tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I report tomorrow. Uh, first practice, as Kyle said, uh, on Wednesday. But we're actually going to be starting tonight's show with a little basketball talk. Ezra Saar, you know, fantastic freshman season. You know, so now we'll talk a little bit about what the, the sophomore sensation did recently, uh, scoring 24 in a very competitive Raleigh Summer League. And to do that, uh, we welcome in for the first time from the Hoop State Network, Miles Master Cole. Miles, we appreciate your time. No, I appreciate y'all having me on. And yeah, Ezra, Ezra definitely showed out last week. I'm excited to talk about it with y'all. Also want to bring in a former linebacker under Steve Logan, and that's Matt Semenza. Hey, Semenza, are you uh, are you, are you missing the ATL? Or are you glad to be back in Connecticut? No, I'll tell you. I don't know how you guys deal with that southern heat. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was like 100 degrees down there every day. Uh, Miles, I don't know where you live. I'll find out here in a second, but yeah. Uh, I live up north in Connecticut. I took a trip down to Atlanta this week, and it was brutally hot. And uh, I was happy. How did you? Football. How did you play football here, Matt? Well, you know, I was I was a young man back then, Kyle. You know, I mean, you're young you now. Well, you can deal with a lot more when you're 20. But uh, no, That's it was true. it was great. I, I I do love being in the South. I'm just kind of joking around, but uh, no doubt the uh, and when you get on the turf down there in Atlanta, it's even hotter. So, um, good times. And I apologize for the dog. Yeah, Mellow. Hey, Bubba, uh, great time to uh, have that. Hey, Miles, one of the great things we talk about now, the last couple seasons, it used to be East Carolina basketball. The only time that when I say we, that be Pirate Nation would talk about it is during the season, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after. But now there's so much excitement. Uh, we love Coach Schwartz, what he's doing. But from your standpoint, can you talk about recruiting and uh, how is ECU measuring up as far as um, maybe in years past. Yeah, I think it's it's still obviously very early in the tenure. He just finished his first season. Right. But I think the biggest thing that I'm noticing from ECU, and, and I think that there are three sleeping giants in basketball in the state of North Carolina. ECU's one of them, Charlotte's one of them, and High Point's the other one. And I think when you look at the way that Schwartz and his staff have attacked the state of North Carolina, bringing in guys locally that might be considered on that fringe of the level that ECU is at as a program playing in the AAC, they're going out and getting those guys. They're developing relationships locally. They're offering a lot of 2025 kids. If you look at basically Team CP3, which is arguably the most powerful program in the state of North Carolina, they play on the Nike UIBL. Basically every single one of those kids on that on that 16U team got an ECU offer, and a lot of them are really, really talented, and a lot of them can say they got in early. And that's going to help them in, a multi, in multiple ways, mainly 
I mean, the, the conventional wisdom is, okay, they're going to offer a bunch of these kids in the state. They're going to start bringing in in-state talent. The other thing now is with the transfer portal, you're developing the right, right kind of relationships with the right people so that if they have a kid that for whatever reason doesn't work out at his first spot, and, and ECU is interested in scooping them up. They've already built that bridge, and it makes it that much easier to go get a kid or two every cycle from uh, within the state that maybe got out and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, Miles, for years, I've said that if we're ever going to build a basketball program at ECU, we have to be able to recruit the state of North Carolina, particularly, particularly Eastern North Carolina, but not just Eastern North Carolina statewide, for whatever reason. We haven't been able to do it, or we haven't put forth the effort. Coaches have felt we could get talent from other places that were, you know, better. But you can't – if you can't recruit in your own backyard, you're never going to build a program. Ever. And I think the biggest thing, too, like the 252 area code is so rich in talent. Like you think of some of the guys that have come out there from Wilson, from Greenville, from Kinston – um, from all those other towns out there, even going out to the Outer Banks, there's so much talent in that area. There's no reason that every year ECU shouldn't be vying for the best kid in that area, no matter what level he is. Um, like Dayron Sharp, Terquavion Smith. I know Kobe White's technically from Goldsboro, which is in the 919, but he played his, his high school ball in Wilson. There's just so many guys that ECU in years past was reluctant to recruit for whatever reason. Um, and now the new staff has has made sure that that is something of the past, and they're and they're making it a priority. And they've already got a kid and um, to Corey Faison coming in this coming season, and they got another one down the line in Jordan Vick, who are two, you know, Raleigh East kids and and kids that ECU should be excited about. And Miles, uh, as far as uh, don't forget my hometown of Williamston, Bobby Williams, the coach. Oh yeah, shout out to Bobby. That's my guy. <laughs> I love him to death, and uh, I know that he's been really excited with uh, Coach Schwartz and. Um, and having um, a lot of success recruiting, what do you think the difference is? Because I know Dooley, other coaches have tried to make relationships. What's the difference with, do you think, with Schwartz and the and the staff? I, I think the, the biggest thing that Schwartz came in with is like ECU was at a point where they really didn't have anything to lose. Um, and he's a young coach trying to make 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 things work as a in, as a first time head coach. I believe I believe he's a first time head coach at the Division One level. Um, so now he's got this opportunity right in front of him. He recruited a lot of kids out of North Carolina with Tennessee. Um, Rick Barnes is from North Carolina. He understands the value that this state has, even though he is from the Western part of the state. And, uh, he's just put an emphasis on it and, and done a really, really good job in that first year of just establishing those connections with the powerheads that, that are in the state. And there, there are a lot of them and he's done a really good job with that. Honing in on Ezra, uh, we talked about his excellent weekend, um, you know, against the likes of, you know, uh, Tequavion Smith and other uh, tremendous players that were there in Raleigh in that summer league. So, first of all, you know, tell us a little about the league as a whole, and then uh, that 24-point performance of Ezra Sar, you know, who had a, a very good freshman season and closed out the year with a near 2020 game against number one Houston in the American Athletic Conference tournament. Yeah, now I remember talking to Houston assistant Kellen Sampson after that game and be like, "We could, there was nothing we could do with that kid." Um, but yeah, he. Uh, so the league is called the Ground Zero Program. Um, one of the one of my co-owners at the Hoop State Network, Ray Masonette, um, he kind of put things together last summer, and uh, it's at Enlo High School. They play it on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Friday nights. I know Ezra is playing tomorrow night. For those listening, anyone in the area that wants to go check him out, it is free to attend. Um, 
They do not charge admission at the gate. You just walk in, have it, make yourself at home, have a seat. They have a food truck outside if you get hungry. Um, and yeah, it's just a league where it's a, a you know primarily I'd say college guys, some pro guys. I know TJ Warren plays in the league. Dayron Sharp has played a game. Um, it's just an opportunity for guys to you know get some games in under the whistle over the summer. They're not too intense. Um, and they'll pick up towards the end if it's a close game. It's it's pretty. I would describe it as pick up on steroids. Um, but it's entertaining. It's fun. It's a good opportunity for the guys to get out in the summer, kind of give back, allow people to get a chance to watch them that may not have the means or the time to see them during the season when they're playing for their normal NBA or college or high school teams. So it's uh, it's a dope thing. It, it's it's great that uh, Ray and, and then the head coach at Enlo, um, former NC Central point guard, was really good there, Pooby Chapman. Um, he's the head coach there. He's an Enlo alum. They've opened their gym up for the league, and um, it's a great thing for the city of Raleigh and, and, and the Hoop State as a whole. You know, talk about, um, you know, what exactly you saw um, in that game or maybe other times you've seen him this summer uh, from mm -hmm. from Ezra Saar and maybe him taking his game uh, to another level. And uh, one of his weaknesses last year was his ability to knock down a mid-range jump shot. And despite that, he was still very successful with his spin move and you know, taking the ball to the basket. Yeah, he's got like that unique – like. Uh, wiggle for a big six eight kid that you just don't really see that often so when you combine the quickness the skill and strength he's really a walking mismatch um most of the night he was being guarded by Ernest Ross who was a good role player for NC State last year a team that made the NCAA tournament um who's going into his junior season and he he won the matchup particularly in the second half doing a really really good job using his strength to bully and get to the basket. He was able to turn and face in that mid post area and attack. He also did hit a couple jump shots, which is intriguing, which is good to see. Uh, I know watch, I started really to see Ezra a lot, his senior year of high school. Um, and that was the weakness in his game. And he's added some confidence and consistency, consistency to that, um, which I know is a welcome sign for all the ECU basketball fans out there. He rebounded at a very high level. He does a really good job making decisions kind of in the middle of the floor, finding open guys, um, and I, I think anytime you're, you can come into a, a new environment full of guys that have been playing in that environment before they feel comfortable and you're able to kind of come in and steal the show, it says a lot about the kind of confidence you walk around with. And, and I think the way that Ezra finished his season last year, the work that he's put in in his development of his game and body, you're, you're just going to see uh, an enhanced version of Ezra throughout the course of the season. And I expect him to continue to get better throughout the season. The Ezra we see in March is not going to be the same one we see come early November when the, when the Pirates tip the season off. Yeah, I mean, Miles, when I see Ezra, when I look at his game, I do see him as a mid-post guy, um, a face-up type guy. He's not really a back-to-the-basket type of player, in my opinion, but mm -hmm. I love the idea of getting him the ball 10, 15 feet to the basket where he can turn and face and then put it on the floor and blow by. And then to your point, he, he does have power. He's a strong guy. And he can finish at the rim. Did you observe any uh, changes in his, his physique? Any any did he put on any weight? Did he gain some muscle here over the offseason? Yeah, so I, I hadn't seen him in person since really the summer before he got to Greenville. And you know, I've watched some games on TV. I did watch the Houston game. You could tell that he's just stronger and sturdier than he than he has been. And, and again, the, the lapse of time is, is greater for me since I didn't see him in person. And that's really where it's easiest to make your judgments. But he he does such a good job of using his body and finishing with touch 
um, that that added strength is going to, is going to bode well. And, and, you know, the, the, the jump shots, the big thing, if he's able to knock down shots, hit the occasional three, this is someone that's going to get a chance to play for a lot of money. I had, I'm uh, good friends with a scout from the Knicks and he comes down every year to do the kind of the tobacco road tour hit Wake state, Duke, Carolina. He's making a trip to ECU to see Ezra this year. Like that's, a real thing. And I think the work that he's put in on both his body and his game, he's showing that in the summer and he's going to show it this season. He's going to have NBA scouts coming to Greenville, which is something that, you know, isn't the most common thing in the world, but it's, it's, it's a sign of where things are going. That's one of my questions I was going to ask you is that I'm hearing people say, and I know it's early, right? I mean, he's only going to be a sophomore, but, Mm -hmm. uh, how, what, how much confidence do you have? Do you think, I know it's not easy to make the NBA, but if this guy continues to uh, really, really work on his game, man, Bubba, all of us on the show, just like the wow factor when we saw him uh, is tremendous. So I want to ask you about that. My second question is, uh, after that, is about NIL. Um, the thing that Pirate Nation, we uh, we were like so scared that we'd lose a lot of guys. And I think NIL helped us where uh, we thought Ezra was gone. And not yeah. that we didn't believe in Ezra, but just his talent that he, uh, another big program would scoop him up. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, so first off, like NBA wise, like he has a legitimate shot. And I, I think the fact that he's such a switchable defender, he can get out and guard the perimeter, but he's also big and strong and is not really going to get bullied unless, it, unless it's, you know, a uniquely gifted, big, you know, monster post player. They're not really going to bully Ezra too often. I think if he continues to show progression and it really it's able to hit the, if he can hit an open corner three, that's really what it is. Um, Cause he's shown the ability to do almost everything else. The free throw consistency has to continue to get to where it needs to be obviously too. Um, but if you look at a, a mismatch kind of four or five that can be really, you know, is capable of scoring from three levels can mismatch on smaller guys is too quick for big guys then that's someone that has a legitimate shot of playing. And I think he's at, at the very least on track to get an NBA opportunity. Um, you know, maybe not after this year, maybe the year after. And I think, you know, going to what you were saying with the NIL stuff with him potentially moving on, he, I think he understands the opportunity development developmentally he has to be a feature player, to deal with double teams, to be the focal point of the other team's scout. Like he's not really going to get that at a at a power five program at this stage, at least one that's going to win a lot of games. So I think for him staying at ECU, I know they have a collective setup. I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure they're taking care of him at least to the point where he's good. Where for this year going back to Greenville was the best decision when you think of all factors considered. I tell kids all the time, like don't don't cash in the extra for the extra hundred grand now if it costs you fifteen million down the line. It's like just not worth it. So you got to really think of it the long game. And I think he's doing a good job of that. Miles, I totally agree with you. You make a tremendous point that he is going to be the focal point. He's going to be featured here. And, and, you know, you you really took the words out of my mouth. You you beat me to it. I was going to say the same thing that if, you know, if you go to a power five school, you might have another guy or even two guys with a similar skill set here. To your point, he can really be featured. He could show those skills and, I th- again, I mean, you nailed it. Why why take a small NIL now when in the long run you could be featured here and then ultimately have a big contract down the road? So like he's he's got NBA uh, scouts coming to Greenville. Like there's yeah. no reason there's no reason for him to leave unless the situation unless there's something we didn't know about. So I think you know, he I don't even think he entered the portal. I think he was like, No, I'm staying, we're good. So how much could Ezra Zar 
if this pro potential works out, if he if he you know gets drafted by the NBA and is successful, how much could that help East Carolina in recruiting going forward? I think it helps in so many ways. Just like hey, here, someone's done it here. Like this blueprint's been created. Um, and you look at like a lot of programs around the country. We were talking about this. I was talking about this with a random friend. Like now, if you're a small guard, like Auburn's the place to go because you had Sharif Cooper do it. You had Wendell Green do it. Now Aiden Holloway's about to do it. So like you can kind of create like, hey, if you're a if you're a big mismatch four or five and you want to have an opportunity to come play, like come to ECU. Um, and the other thing, and this is more specific to do with Ezra, like everything I've known about Ezra, whether it's been him staying, the amount of contact he keeps with his old teammates and coaches, like he's a pretty loyal kid. He's going to give back. He's going to make sure that ECU is in a situation um, to where that he can help the next guy there, as opposed to a lot of other guys that kind of just move on from the program and show face here and there, but don't really actually commit to anything. Like Ezra strikes me as the type of kid that would, would really, you know, care about, about the betterment of the ECU program. And anytime you get a leaguer, it, it just helps your status as a program in such a major way. So it would help tremendously. Something else to keep in mind and you know consider when it comes to Ezra Saar and his development last year, he was also, um, we didn't realize that at the time, and it's understandable why it wasn't disclosed, but um, he was battling the shoulder injury. Uh, so he's coming off the that labrum surgery, and obviously he's doing very well. Yeah. Now, he, he, he appeared to be a full go and completely healthy. Brandon Johnson played in the game, too, made some shots. Um, he's another kid that ECU did a good job of scooping up and, and maximizing his potential. So I'm intrigued to see if he brings any other teammates. I know Cam Hayes played a couple weeks ago, um, and he I think he – fell on his wrist in practice and didn't play, but it's been good seeing guys, uh, you know, make the trip to Raleigh from Greenville to play in this. And I think Cam is spearheading a lot of that with the fact that he's still tight with a lot of the guys that he played with at NC state. And that was one of the questions I had miles is uh, the $64,000 question. And I know you probably won't know, but I want to mention again to everyone is, do you think Cam will be eligible this year? Uh, we asked coach Schwartz. We asked Cy Seymour, uh, who's very close as an analyst to the program. For ESPN Plus, he didn't know, um, and it's like up in the air, I guess, until the NCAA makes up their mind, well, no one knows. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say no, um, but I could be very easily wrong. Like, literally nobody knows with what the NCAA is going to do at any moment, so who am I to say one way or the other? But just kind of a hunch, no, and the, the reason I'm saying that is because we saw two-time transfers the last two years like crazy. And now the NCAA came out with the legislation saying, hey, unless it's like a really extreme circumstance, like coaching change plus something else, I don't know. I do. I have talked to Cam, and I know Cam has like already mentally prepared himself for them to say no, um, for them to sit out, and for him to sit out. And I think he's going to embrace that, really get his body ready and um, be sure to kind of carry a heavy load. And he's someone that paired with Pettiford can be really, really good because he can play on or off the ball. He can make shots. I think that's when he's at his best is when he's looking to create offense for himself, create that jump shot off the dribble. Um, so we'll see what he's able to do. But if I had to guess, no. But um, we'll see what happens. And um, Bobby Pettiford got hurt in practice uh, yes. about two weeks ago. Do you know how he's doing? Yeah, I think he's doing good. I think he hurt his hand. Um, yeah. I wouldn't expect it to limit him when it comes to being ready for the season at all. Um, okay. And I think the big thing with Bobby and, you know, he uh, he's just had injury troubles everywhere he's been, unfortunately. So he's an extremely, extremely talented player. 
a kid that is as talented a kid like as a guard as ECU's had in since I can remember. And if he stays healthy, he's going to be a massive, massive, massive difference maker. Just the fact that he can get by anybody at any time. He's a great leader, great teammate, um, and and someone that can really be the straw that stirs the drink from the backcourt standpoint for ECU. If he's able to stay healthy, that's really only been his that's been his only challenge throughout his college career. When you when you when you take a look at the uh, new look American, you, you you lose some some big names like Houston mm-hmm. and Cincinnati, but it's still a, a really solid league. You got Fort Atlantic coming in, made the Final Four, obviously. Uh, you know Temple's still here, Tulsa, SMU. You, you know you, you bring in uh, UAB, who's got a solid program. Of course, Memphis is always good. Um, how do you think the Pirates will do in the new look American this year in terms for, from a from a talent standpoint, how do we measure up? I would I would say on the I would say on the right side of the middle of the pack this year, if I had to guess. I think for ECU, it's it was such a good, encouraging start in year one. I think there's gonna be real progress in year two. I, I think year three, year four is when we see like a true breakthrough and this team starts to to make real noise in regards to winning that league and 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 having a chance if they continue on the trajectory that they're on now. Um, Memphis has done a really, really good job of loading up. I'm excited to see what Wichita State does. FAU is going to be really, really difficult to deal with. They bring everybody back. Preseason top 10 team. I know they're having a hard time just scheduling games. And you know you're in a good spot as a mid-major when nobody else wants to play you. Because I know Charleston's kind of in the same boat along with Liberty. That's why they're doing that little three-team thing they're doing over the next three years. So um, I would say on the right side of the middle of the pack, it's I would think it's going to be a little bit of a better year than last year's. It's the roster had a little bit more time to get put together. Um, and I think we're going to see both Felton and Ezra kind of become the fa- the true faces of this program, along with Brandon Johnson in, in their own way. And um, just continue to establish the ECU brand as a basketball program in the state of North Carolina. I think if they can do that this year, win a couple big games, um, you can consider a, a successful year for ECU. So, Miles, um, before we talk about to Corey Faison, I wanted to mention Kim Hayes and uh, Bobby Pettiford Jr. I, I got kicked out for a moment, so I apologize if you've already addressed them a little further. I know you had mentioned them early on, but um, they were guys that we had discussed off the air as far as your familiarity with them. Obviously, Bobby had been at Kansas and then Kim at NC State as well as LSU. So let's start with Bobby Pettiford Jr., and tell us what you can about him. Yeah, we, we actually did just mention him in your time that was gone. I mentioned we talked about how he got hurt in practice and how he's been injury prone. I think the one thing that I didn't mention with Bobby that I will now is like another really loyal kid, like stayed at South Granville through the COVID stuff, through everything. And um, someone that if if he does what he's supposed to do and stays healthy, that he's going to become like a big man on campus type at ECU, going to be someone that is very, very marketable, very likable, um, and someone that is just going to be an asset to the campus in more ways than one. And we mentioned Cam. We talked about his, his you know, potential eligibility. I said I ultimately don't think it'll, he'll be eligible, but um, we'll see what happens. If, and if Cam adds the strength that he needs to, um, he's going to be a really, really good player, and the sit-out year could end up being really beneficial to him too. Miles, give me your thoughts on, you know, Brandon Johnson, Ezra on the floor together. I mean, I kind of feel like that's a perfect combination because, you know, Johnson can has the ability to step out and shoot from the perimeter and space the floor. And then you add in the the combination with sort of the mid-post skill set of Ezra. 
And now I feel like that really presents a lot of challenges for defenses. It definitely does. And I think um, the other thing that we're going to see a lot of is a lot of um, naked ball screens, meaning nobody on the side of the floor where it's just a side ball screen with Ezra and, and Brandon where nobody else is on that side of the floor and you have shooters on the opposite wing. You might also see that with Bobby Pettiford um, just because of his ability to get downhill and the fact that he, he's a mismatch. But Brandon and, and Ezra on the floor together, especially if they're at the four and five together with the fact that they both guard and rebound well um, for their size, it can be a really, really tough check because you can go five out with Ezra's ability to bounce, go off the catch. And if you have guys that are able to penetrate on the floor, like Pettiford Johnson, able to space with his shooting, like there's going to be teams are going to have really a lot of difficulty guarding those lineups if they're doing what they need to do on the floor. Absolutely. And then you can draw the opposing five away from the rim. Yep. So. And, and, and limit who they can play. Like you, I remember, I want to say they opened the, the year with Mercer last year and they had that massive uh, kid on the team. I think he ended up transferring. I'm blanking on his name. Forgive me. But I remember seeing that and they had to go like Ezra wasn't at the point he is now. And, but if he was at the point he is now, they would have put him at the five and taken that kid out of the game and completely limited in his entire usage. And, and that's the thing that having a guy like Ezra is allows you to do you can manipulate who the other team is able to play. And I think that's one of the things that he brings to the table that a lot of guys in the AAC don't. Miles, shifting to TK as Coach Schwartz calls him, to Corey Faison from Goldsboro High School. Just unbelievable athleticism. You know, some of the the dunks and you know, you know, fast break moves and you know, just his game overall, very impressive. Um, obviously, there, there were some questions there. Perhaps, um, you know, maybe, you know, the the competition level and so forth. You know, I know you've seen him for some time. Uh, what are your thoughts on TK? I think, uh, you know, the competition level is something that gets brought up a lot with a lot of the kids at State Public School. I think what TK proved is that he can be at the high school level against maybe weaker competition. He can be utterly dominant and, and a kid that is just too – too much of an athletic force to contain and just put up some monster numbers. And then when he played on the Under Armour circuit with team Curry, he showed that he could be a role player and flourish in that as well. Come off the bench, just be a defensive disruptor. Someone that is a good off ball cutter um, makes athletic plays is on the offensive glass rebounding and just, and just giving his all. So I think at the very least for Takori Faison is he develops into a really, really good role player at ECU. And I think ultimately he has a chance to really become a special player because his shot is not broken. He's just not a great shooter yet. If they develop him into a knockdown shooter where you have that violent athleticism that you're able to use to blow by a defender that might be closing out and make exciting above the rim plays happen. He's also able to guard up or down in size because of that athleticism. He's a well-rounded athlete, not just a leaper, not just laterally quick. He's got it all. Um, so he's going to be kind of a, a versatile two-way piece for ECU as he develops, I wouldn't expect a ton from him right away. I do expect him to get on the floor some and kind of provide a spark, but that year two or three, he's going to kind of come in and, and, and stake his claim in the rotation as, as a guy that just brings a lot of energy and a, and a lot of, um, a lot of those little things that coaches love to see on the floor. A guy I know that you've seen since his seventh grade year, Jordan Vick, Southern Ash High School, sticking with the Eastern North Carolina theme and in, in establishing those connections. And tell us about Jordan. I think for Jordan, like he's just such a, a volume scorer. Like he's able to come in and, and just completely change the game, go on a 12-0 run in two minutes, whether it's 
hitting off the dribble threes, getting to the basket, using his quickness and athleticism. I think for Jordan, his senior year needs to be about becoming a really efficient creator for others. Um, and I think if he's able to do that, he could see himself on the floor early at ECU. And if he doesn't, he's going to have that learning curve that first year. And if he's able to get through that, he'll be really, really good. But at, at the very least, he's a a spark plug score like a like a Lou Williams type can just come in and 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 really change a game if he's able to hit hit his shots and get going. Can kind of self create on anybody at any time. Um, and and a local kid is going to take pride in wearing the purple and gold and someone that uh that has a chance to be really really good but it's still not it's still not close to a finished product smaller guard so he's got to be able to play through contact take the bumps and um i think the other thing that he does well for a small guard is he does a really really good job staying in front of his defender and recovering if he were to get beat with his athleticism no doubt about it I appreciate uh you coming on tonight in fact uh time i looked up and you've been out with us almost 30 minutes but i love basketball very much uh, definitely don't be a stranger to the show. How can people follow your work? I've been enjoying uh, the, the visit tonight. Oh, yeah. No, no. Appreciate y'all having me. Um, follow me on Twitter at Master Cola Miles. Follow the Hoop State Network on Twitter at the Hoop State. Um, and then I also have a – I don't have the name publicized. Any, I have a scouting service as well, NCAA approved, that college coaches are permitted to subscribe to. So if anybody is – any college coaches out there that might be listening, be sure to hit me up about that. Um, and then I also do some work for Pack Pride with NC State's uh, 24-7 site. Um, so be sure to follow at Pack Pride on Twitter. I know we can still be friends amidst a, a rivalry, you know, here. So <laughs> I was going to say, we won't hold that against you. No, nah, please don't. Please don't. Um, everybody's got to pay their bills. So, But no, nah, that's about it. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, um, and yeah, should be an exciting year in, in moving forward for ECU. No doubt. Thanks, Miles. Appreciate you very much. And, again, we'd love to have you back on maybe uh, September, October, as we get ready for the basketball season. And uh, definitely, it doesn't get old for me to talk about basketball. So thanks, man. Appreciate uh, the update. And I'm very excited. You have me more excited about ECU basketball coming up for the 2023-2024 campaign. Awesome. Yeah, y'all just let me know, and we'll make it work. I'll see you guys soon. All right, man. Take care, bro. Thanks, Miles. Bye. Yep. Bye. Great guest, as always, uh, there with Miles. And another familiar face, the voice of uh, the sports objective, Bubba. Yeah, appreciate um, that guy that you referenced and cutting some liners for us. And welcome back to the show, Dave Lamont. Dave, how's your summer going? It's going very well, guys. Thank you. And it's great to be back talking to you all again. I've missed you guys. No doubts. Uh, great to have you. And in fact, uh, man, the college football landscape every year, you know, it used to be for a while they were talking about maybe in the 2010s, as Kyle would say, as far as the decades go, they would talk about the offseason as far as the NBA. But I think, don't you think college football now, Dave, has uh, surpassed that by by leaps and bounds when it comes to when you think about the transfer portal, you think about NIL, and then, of course, with the conference football realignment? It's changed, but I don't know how many people are really enjoying it. NIL is here to is not going anywhere, as I'm sure you all have discussed ad nauseum on on your shows. But it, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like realignment. A lot of people don't like the transfer portal because it's so crowded. And it's just that if a guy doesn't like one place, he sometimes just picks up his bag and goes. Um, I understand all of it, and I'm I'm kind of in favor of all of it. I don't have a problem with NIL. So I'd rather you cheat up front rather than cheat behind a you know a desk or something like that. Uh, it's not even cheating anymore. And some schools have done extremely well with it. The transfer portal, it just seems like 
if you're not active in it, you're not moving forward. That's another thing that's here to stay. And as long as coaches can move around very quickly, uh, the transfer portal will be okay with me. I just wish it wasn't. And you've just had a basketball guest on. You talk about another highway that's overcrowded. Basketball might even be crazier uh, than college football in the transfer portal. And conference alignment is only about one thing. And as somebody who's a little older than you guys and who grew up, you know, with the definitive geographical lines in a conference, the idea of some of these places in some of these conferences is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Speaking of geographical lines, you know, interesting coaching situations and so forth, I wanted to hone in on the FBS football pitcher within the Sunshine State. I know you're a Miami alum. Obviously, very interesting situation there with Mario Cristobal coming home. Um, last year certainly did not go how the Hurricanes fans would have liked. So, you know, what's your take on that program headed into, <laughs> headed into year two? No, no year goes like Hurricanes fans like. Um, it's a rough base. <laughs> and, and I, you know, you've got, I think the number is 41 new players and seven new coaches. And as you open with Miami of Ohio, but then you have Texas A&M, at least you get them here. Although, I, you know, here is not always a great home field advantage. And you have two other opponents you should beat, and then you go into ACC season. Um, everybody got their expectations completely out of whack last year. You know, here comes the Savior God. We've gone through this before, the Savior God alum coach, by the way, Mark Richt was the savior God alum coach and had a great start and just couldn't finish it off. So Cristobal comes in and at least he didn't go through the great start. Uh, you know, they were, I hate to say this, but last year they were boring more than anything else. Uh, never mind the fact they couldn't protect Van Dyke as he ultimately couldn't finish the season. They had almost no playmakers on offense. They had nobody in the running game that scared you. And the defense was just, eh, you know, it's okay. So they got what they deserved. With two new coordinators and all these new bodies, I just don't know how quickly they can get it all together to be a factor in the ACC. It usually takes coordinators a couple of years to take that playbook of theirs and just dump it all out of the table and go, this is what I really want you guys to do. Generally, they have to simplify things in year one. So I would tell a Miami fan that if you get to eight wins this year and maybe nine if you don't suck in a bowl game like you normally do, uh, that that would be a pretty gratifying year. Dave, you know, I have, have a little bit of a theory on Miami, and it's that I feel like with this program, they're always trying to relive the glory days of the, you know, the 1980s and early 90s, and they want to kind of be the bad boys with the, you know, the Michael Irvins and, mm -hmm. you know, the Warren Saps. And, and in my opinion, what they really need to do is find a new identity. I think those days are gone uh, as much as we enjoyed them and, and they were awesome to watch. But in my opinion, Miami, what they need to do is find a new identity. You know, what is their identity on offense? I just haven't been able to put my finger on it. Um, what are your thoughts on well, that? And what do you think? All right, Matt. So on offense, you mentioned there will be another new identity this year. Mara Cristobal is a fairly conservative offensive coach. He he wants to win the game by running the ball. He's an old offensive lineman. It's not surprising. The year before, Tyler Van Dyke had established himself as one of the best quarterbacks, if not in the ACC, probably top 10 or 15 in the nation, and by pitching it around in Rhett Lashley's wide-open offense. Now he's on his third coordinator in three years who comes from Houston where they did what? Throw the ball. 
working for Dana Holgerson. So how is this? No one knows how this offense is going to look. So it's a great point. I don't know what their offensive identity is going to be. Their defensive identity has been more passive than you want any team to be, never mind what it says on the helmet. And, and that's something that's got to change. You know, there's always talk every year that they're going to bring back that style of super aggressive defense, and then it never arrives. They should be pretty good in the secondary, but I just don't know about the front seven yet, which was not a strong point for Miami. couple playmakers, transfer portal guys were pretty good, but it, the overall program identity, you know, it's funny because you talk about 80s and 90s and the identity that came out, particularly starting with Jimmy Johnson, really. He's the guy who started all of that. Dennis Erickson was more than willing to carry that on. And even to some extent, well, Butch Davis, who was handicapped by uh, some violations of the Pell Grant and all that, that he walked into, that he had nothing to do with. Yeah, the fans want that back. The problem is the NCAA legislated a lot of that stuff out a long time ago. So I think what fans just want is a winning identity. I don't think it has to be with the attitude that you had from Lewis and, and Mike and, and and those guys, because they do anymore. But they just want a winning identity. And it's really been a while since this program was a true factor in college football, and not just a brief moment. I mean, for years. And it's going to be particularly difficult for Miami fans, guys, if Florida State continues their upward trajectory, which it appears they will, because that's always how these two schools have measured themselves. Florida State and Miami, uh, are they both good? Well, that's great for college football. Are they both down? Bad for college football. And if one's up and one's down, that's just bad for them. And uh, that's where we are right now. Dave, as far as uh, speaking of Florida State, we hear Florida State and Clemson, that rumor going to the Big Ten along with Oregon and Washington. Speaking of college realignment, I had a question for you being an alum of Miami. Is there, with that market of Miami and the we talked about the rich tradition of the U, is that a, a, a team that maybe could be poached in another, like with the SEC or Big Ten? Or have you heard anybody like wanting to go to a different conference? It's- it's a, it's a boat. It's a just rumors. I haven't heard much about Miami. Um, to me, all of that stuff is stupid. The only reason you would put Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten is to make it slightly easier on USC and UCLA for travel. Um, you know, I can't wait for the tradition of an 11 a.m. UCLA Rutgers game. I am I am already sweating through my shirt thinking about that traditional rivalry being <laughs> renewed. Um, nothing says. Nothing says great, you know, Big Ten football like Oregon versus Indiana. I'm hot for that. Um, (laughs) So, you know, in my world, Maryland's in the ACC. Uh, Syracuse would be in a, you you bring back the Big East and you'd have Syracuse in it. I'm fine with Penn, you know, Missouri in the SEC, Texas A&M. Now, at least A&M and Texas now with Texas moving after this year, at least you'll renew that rivalry. And they didn't break up Texas-Oklahoma. So that was smart. You've got to have some eye toward some tradition in college sports. And the other thing that absolutely nobody ever talks about is the financial stress, unless there's so much TV money, that you're putting on your smaller sports that don't have your travel budgets, that now are going to be flying or taking even longer bus rides, depending on where you go. You imagine the UCLA uh, women's basketball team is going to have to go to Rutgers? Why? 
<laughs> so to make Rutgers football look better, you know, it's just it's just dumb stuff like that that I know people think about, but they don't care about it. And these other sports, I think, suffer, and you only hope that it benefits football. I mean, in the meantime, you know, other people are in the conferences and perhaps the TV people are, are making the money off of this. But, you know, to me, you're just weakening the sport, but we're headed in that direction anyway. So what the hell? Dave, I, I think uh, I think we're going to keep heading in that direction. But I got a feeling everything's, you know, comes in circles. And I, I got a feeling 20 years from now, we're going to go back to regional conferences. I think people are going to get sick of this nonsense and, and want the old way back. I mean, I, I look right now, my favorite conference in college football to watch is the Sun Belt because when they, when they expanded and did what they did, they, they, they went regional. They went with all college towns, all regional, you know, you, you got two perfectly centralized divisions and, mm. and East and a West that make perfect sense. And, you know, all these other conferences are, including the American, the one we're in, you know, I, I, you mentioned, you know, those great rivalries. I'm so fired up to be playing Rice and UTSA. I just don't know what to do. I don't do. know how you can stand it. Um, yeah. yeah, there's an inference right there. The American that took a beating, um, you know, and it's unfortunate that to see these other schools fail. Um, it's all about one thing. And as long as television is going to drive this, you're going to, this is going to continue. And I, I'm not sure I agree. I think in 20 years, we're already in a pretty rough have and have not situation with college conferences. And there are certain conferences that are never going to be have conferences. And they're always going to be looked at as lower level conferences. The American has been fighting that for a while, trying to tell everybody that football, we are a power school conference. In basketball, we are a power conference. Probably more so in basketball. But now you're losing some of these schools who brought you some of this identity, like UCF, for example. That's not good for the American. Uh, and it's it's in the pursuit of extra dollars and maybe the pursuit of a national title. But I don't know how any of these schools are going to win championships. Maybe if you get USC, UCLA, and you've got a very competitive uh, Big Ten uh, and, and you can add something other than Michigan and Ohio State, that'll be good for college football. But then you've completely screwed the, uh, the pack, whatever is going to be left of it, and you've left them without – the identity, those two LA schools and that number two market in the nation. Now what? You know, Colorado, by the way, I'm cool with. They belong in the Big 12. They never belonged in the in the Pac-12. Now, Dave, you know, I, I, first of all, I totally agree with you. I think you make a, a great point regarding, you know, th this this regional catastrophe that we're seeing in college sports. You know, UCLA going to Rutgers and whatnot. On the flip side, what are your thoughts on the American potentially, you know, even though it makes zero sense geographically to your point, mm -hmm. but just in terms of staying relevant, in terms of staying financially uh, sound, the idea of the American somehow combining with the Mountain West schools to form sort of a, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, a group of five super conference. I don't know if it would be recognized as a group of five super conferences. Uh, I'll, let, I'll be very blunt about that. When uh, I, I'm okay with the idea of them combining, but I actually had to type this in while you were looking at it. I'm not even sure I remember the American right now. You know, I, I it's and I I love it as a basketball conference. It comes out of there as a former 
uh, you know, you have UConn uh, just right fresh out of leaving the American uh, as a uh, as the national champion in college basketball. But, you know, you've got OK, you, I think adding uh, FAU is great. I think Wichita State will help you. You know, you're already there. Fine with it. I, but I don't know. James Madison, by the way, that's a great that's great. Uh, and there are others, but man, oh man, I just think that conference got hurt losing UCF because they were the squeaky wheel, as you know. Uh, and that's going to hurt. And people love to hate them. And you don't have a team to hate the American Conference anymore. So uh, we that's do. Not we do. Charlotte. Well, well, you we do. <laughs> Can you really hate them, though? They're, they're, are they any? They're not that good. No, yeah, but they're well, well, not, not for different reasons. <laughs> Biff from Back to the Future okay. is now coaching the team that he's he's given us a reason not to like Charlotte. It really, to us, it's just because they're like the because of the TV market is the only reason why they're in in uh, the American. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the conference now, and and there's nothing about the football portion of this conference that really makes me want to stand up and 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 hit my DVR and record American conference football games. And I don't like saying that. I don't because it's I true. know people. It's true. I live. I used to be, I was the first voice of Florida Atlantic radio. And when Howard Schoenberger started the program, I would love to see FAU succeed. And I actually think they're going to, because uh, they, they might get a bounce and they've got a good coach in Tom Herman. They might get a bounce off of their final four for basketball. And they almost made the title game. But it's hard to get excited about Navy anymore. It's hard to get excited about North Texas or Rice. SMU is in and out. South Florida is just god-awful. Uh, Temple has failed. Tulane is a major success story, but can they continue it? You know, it's it, UTSA, by the way, is a sneaky good program, which you guys probably already know, but maybe some of your listeners don't or viewers don't. That's a team I'd be very leery of as far as wins and losses go. It, it's it's lacking market. I know Charlotte's a big market, I, I'm, I, but it's lacking a lot of things. And Philly's a big market, but let's face it, with all the sports in Philadelphia, Temple is, since I'm in Miami, Temple is the FIU of Philadelphia. They're going to be last in line to get any kind of coverage. Yeah, we, it's got plenty of markets. I just think nobody gives a crap about the teams in those markets, like you said. But that's just Temple, yeah. t- t- Temple, Philadelphia, Charlotte, big markets. Uh, uh, Rice, Rice. Houston has no fans. Um, you know, two lanes in New Orleans, they're hot right now, but how long is that going to last? South Florida's in Not Tampa, a big market, though. Well, I mean, I guess compared no, to – No, and that's big, a big market, by the way. Yeah. Tampa is a huge market. Yeah. People don't think about that, but you throw St. Petersburg in there and – they should own that side of the state, and they don't. Little stadium. Well, that would. Be, I think they're going to, but I. Yeah, they're I raising wear. the money now for it. And actually, that's a great stadium, but it's kind of like what Miami has their fans do. But I don't know where the hell Miami's going to build a stadium unless they burn down about thirty houses in Coral Gables. Uh, but in in South Florida, they could do it. But that's actually a good stadium, but you're asking people, again, hey, get in your car, take a bus, do something out of the ordinary rather than fall out of bed and go to a game. Yeah, the, the problem with the new American is you, – you, you, my biggest problem is, is, is we didn't do divisions. Um, if, if you put East Carolina Temple 
Navy, Florida Atlantic, you know, yeah. et cetera, in one division. And you had Rice, UTSA, SMU, et cetera, in one division. Uh, to me, it would be more palatable. But they didn't do it because the new playoff system, Martin and 24, were the six highest rated conference champions get a playoff spot. They want to make sure the two best teams are playing in the championship game. So I understand why they didn't do divisions. But to me, you're East Carolina and UTSA, East Carolina and Rice, East Carolina and Tulsa are never going to create rivalries. Where East Carolina and Temple, East Carolina, Charlotte, East Carolina, Florida, Atlantic could. And you've got some history with some of those schools anyway. Correct, yep. Um, Memphis, for example. Right. Uh, and so I would – I mean, the way to do it is you kind of what the ACC has, has done to an extent where they give you guys you're going to play all the time. Yeah, yeah. So that's enabled uh, Louisville and Miami, for example, to start a Howard Schnellenberger, and I mentioned his name again, but a Howard Schnellenberger trophy to, for the football game every year because he did so much for both programs. Smart move. So you can start to do that. Maybe that's what the American has to do. Maybe you need a year to see what you know how this is all going to going to work out. A lot of schools, because of what you mentioned, are going away from divisions. Um, I kind of like it, but it does create an extra game uh, and and you know a conference title. Well, I mean, it can not create an extra game, but it can create a bad game pre-conference title, and that can hurt you if you're say your West team is barely over 500 and your East team is dominant beating that West team isn't going to help that much. And God forbid they lose, then they're really screwed. And so is the conference. No question. And the American is uh, tough, especially Dave with uh, baseball. That's the thing. The pirates are doing a, a great job every year in is baseball and the conference uh, losing UConn. When we lost them speaking, not only of basketball, but losing them in baseball, I heard the conference. I do think there's some teams that are going to add some value to the the conference in baseball, but it's uh, it's been it's been tough for ECU because it hurts us because we can't help who we play um, yeah. as far as the conference. But you still we're in that conference where um, they they other teams need to step it up, and you can't help that you dominate your own conference. You know, my uh, twenty. 20 season I was I did a lot of American Conference basketball games and I thought it was a damn solid conference for basketball you had really good teams in there you, you know Memphis UConn was was starting to get good uh, it was nicely balanced uh, conference and uh, it you know it, it, I'm sorry to see it go the way things have gone um, but changing and we're gonna get more of it and it seems like when a sports writer or a blogger gets a little uh, out and runs out of ideas or maybe has an extra beer, they decide to throw rumors together and go, uh, you know what, let's let's put Oregon in the ACC and uh, we're going to put Miami in the uh, Mountain West. You know, they just come up with these goofy ideas just to to get clicks. And maybe there's something to it. Who would have ever in a lifetime would you have ever thought that USC and UCLA would go to the big uh, the big ten? You know, whatever it, but uh, uh, I don't like it. I'm I'm a traditionalist. I'll accept it. I have no choice, but uh, I don't like it at all. Do you think the Pac-12 implodes? As some talking heads have said. Well, it'll be interesting to see what you do with what's left. You've still got some good schools there, uh, athletically speaking. You know, Stanford, uh, for all the trouble its football program has, is solid everywhere else. Oregon's great football. Oregon State is becoming very good in football. 
Uh, they've got a good coach, and they're a steady team now. And even Washington has been up and down. you got Washington State. I mean, they could try for San Diego State, and I don't know why. You know, I know that I think San Diego State is interested, but they can't get out. BYU is the team that screws everybody up because they don't play anything on Sundays, which doesn't matter for football, but it does matter in other sports. Um, and also a solid basketball for them. To me, they're very attractive, but they're, you know, they can't seem to land a spot. That and, and Boise State, to me, is the one that I'm surprised that is not in that conference because they have name value. Their basketball program is now going to the NCAA tournament, and they still have the quirky blue field that people talk about. It's good. It's, you know, and an area that's growing. So that is, a, to me, a very attractive. So I'm really packed. I've already called them 50 times. Yeah, we, we heard what's kept Boise State from uh, being added to a conference up to this point during expansion is apparently they have um, the academics of a community college. So I don't know how the Stanfords of the world would feel about that. Well, Stanfords of the world may have to invite them in anyway and, and because otherwise you're not going to have a conference. So is Stanford going to wind up in the Mountain West? Or or the WAC or the Western Conference, whatever they call it now, and make road trips to Hawaii. I I, I think you're going to have to lower your standards just a touch. I appreciate Stanford's act. It's not. Let me do it this way. When you say it that way, to me that shouldn't change Stanford's academics at all. You just be Stanford. You're fine. Uh, so let them in anyway. You know, I, no, that, I agree with if, you. If, yeah, I'm if that's the reason, I mean, it's kind of like why the SEC grabbed the Missouri. You know, the joke was, well, they, you know, they had to raise the SEC grade point average, you know, above two by taking a, a prestigious school like University of Missouri, um, you know, to, and there might be something to that. But no, I, and the other thing I would do is a joke. I would just take all the crappy teams and put them in one conference and just let them beat each other up, you know, and, and maybe relegate out of there like they do for pro soccer overseas. But that'll never happen. But yeah, I... Here's a if you're a fan, how much do the fans care? I think if you went to Morgantown, West Virginia, and said if we could guarantee you that you'd play Pitt every year, would you take it? They'd sign in three seconds. So would the Pitt fans. That was a major rivalry in college yep. football. Gone. Pitt, Penn State, gone. Um, you know, A and M and Texas I mentioned is coming back in another year. Thank God. Uh, you. You know, Miami still has Florida State, but almost never Florida. Florida State and Florida meet, but they're not in the same conference, of course. Uh, it, a lot of this has gone away. And while you still have Auburn, Alabama, and you still have Ohio State, Michigan, and, and some of these that I think are perennial, they even, even college football can't screw up. There's others that have gone away because of all of this. And is it, has it made the game any better other than the paychecks? No question. And uh, as far as the ACC is concerned, if that's true about that rumor, would you add a West Virginia? You know, that's one of the things the ACC said is, uh, speaking of academics, they wouldn't take a West Virginia. And I'm going, geographically makes sense. Their sports programs um, could compete in the ACC. I know there's a lot of what-ifs there, but, man, uh, that's another a conference that it's going to have to. It looks like, if that's true, that what we're hearing um, if that's not more than a rumor, 
then you're going to have to lower your standards as well when it comes to academics in a conference. Yeah, they may have to. I mean, West Virginia sure as hell doesn't belong in the Big 12. Right. Um, geographically speaking, at all. So, I mean, if you, if you put them in the Big Ten, if you want them ge to make geographical sense. But the ACC would be a, a proper move if it came to that. But, uh, I mean, the ACC would be a, a one arm. It would be like the guy in Monty Python on the Holy Grail who starts getting his arms and legs cut off and just says it's a flesh wound. And if that actually did happen and those schools left, then I don't see you have an ACC anymore because everything, everybody else is going to cut for them, cut and run for themselves. And you've got weird schools like Syracuse and Boston College that are nowhere near a coastline. I've been to, to I mean, Boston is at least near some water, but Syracuse is pretty landlocked. Well, you know, Louisville. <laughs> at least there's a bit of geographical sense there, a little bit, but you're right. Silly. So I don't know what's going to happen, you know, with these schools. It's going to take leadership and it's going to take courage. And I don't know who's got the leadership and the courage to lead these schools into new territories. If indeed this happens, you're going to have a completely wrecked ACC. You, you know, if, if again, if this goes on. And I'm sure there's conversations, you know, there's that line from The Godfather. There are things going on behind the scenes that will answer all your questions. And we'll find out one day if this is really going to happen or not. And if that's the case, then... I think fans would be excited by some of these matchups. Ooh, Clemson, Ohio State. That sounds cool. Well, it does. I, I, it's certainly appealing. But what's going to happen to the lesser schools, the the Illinois, the Indianas, the Iowas? Sorry, Iowa fans, but, you know, let's be honest. Um, Nebraska. Imagine now Nebraska is a lesser school. Um, and they are, at least in football. These others that real chance to compete at a high level and are just going to become fodder. What's in it for them? No, if it happens, if the Florida State Clemson thinks that the Big Ten happens, and I'm really doubting it does, but if, if it does happen and the ACC survives, I just, I'll just, i go ahead and state publicly because our athletic director might not get around to it. Uh, East Carolina is putting in its candidacy for the ACC now. So uh, it's official. Well, I tell you yeah. what, if I'm Florida Atlantic, although they've got to upgrade some things, yeah, I would. Yeah, you know, they not? just they, they this is the time where they've never been hotter. And, you know, because of basketball. But the, what is what is the ACC, if not a basketball first conference, always will be in my mind anyway. Um, FIU will always won't, won't be able to. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be some strange things if this all happens. I think eventually this super conference thing is going to boil down to we're the A-list, we're the we're the celebrities. You're the you're the character actors. You're the B and C listers, and you know have have a good time uh, with your with your smaller conference games. Enjoy your midweek uh, mid American conference games, and uh, we'll see you you know on the primetime Saturday night games. And look, look at the value for television. I mean, NBC getting involved in the Big Ten. Now they're going to have primetime games in the Big Ten. What does CBS do when they lose the SEC? They jump in the Big Ten. ESPN now is dead of the Big Ten. Um, you know, it, it's the game is still thriving. There's still a tremendous demand, and the networks are willing to pay fortunes to get these rights. So you could move, you know, Boise State in into the Big East. And if people are going 
don't know, pay a giant check, they're going to keep moving. Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, Brandon was talking about one of our viewers. He says Arizona has scheduled a Board of Regents meeting for 3.30 tomorrow. Rumor about them going uh, to the Big 12. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's likely. Yeah, that's looking like there. What about Arizona well, State? I haven't heard about Arizona. They may have to go together. Yeah. I mean, they're partners whether they like it or not. Uh, so then you're done. Then then your pack is finished. Then you're going to end up being Mountain West light. And then everybody's going to run uh, at, that, at that point. Unless somehow you, you know, I, I don't even know what you do in that situation. If that really have, if they do bolt, um, and it would be, I don't know what year that would take effect. Maybe not even 24, might be 25. But the Big 12 needs warm bodies. Arizona, warm body. Uh, Tucson's a big And uh, uh, then I think Arizona State's got to go with them. I do anyway. I don't know. And um, off we go. More and more. we got to replace their two big boys, Texas and Oklahoma. And they've already got Colorado coming back. Uh, well, let's get Missouri. Let's go back to the big eight. And uh, we'll just do it that way. They can't afford to take that. That's a huge pay cut, right, Dave? I mean, from the SEC. Missouri? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be. But, again, they're, they're, they are the ill fit in that conference. They just are. Um, who's their rival? Right. I've thought they about that. They don't have it. I, I know who their rival is. Kansas. That's their rival. And that's another game that's lost. And I, I did a Missouri-Kansas game years ago on ABC in Kansas City. And at that point in the season, it was the last game of the year. In fact, it was Mark Mangino's last game, as it turned out. If you remember the trouble he got into uh, for saying something in the locker room that pissed his players off. And Missouri was bad. The Kansas was fading. Not an empty seat to be had. And they set it up so the blue and red on one side and the black and yellow on the other side, and it it looked like a big puzzle piece that fit just perfectly. Wow. Completely packed Arrowhead Stadium for an utterly meaningless Saturday night football game, except it wasn't meaningless to the schools and to their fans. And same, I also had the same thing with Arizona, Arizona State a few years back over Thanksgiving weekend in Tucson. Neither team worth a crap. Bad football. Almost a packed house in Tucson, and they played that game like it mattered, right? Because it does, and that's that's the stuff. Now, someone could easily, but Dave, that has nothing to do with money, and it doesn't. And that is still, you know, that's what's driving all of this. And if you're Arizona, if you got a better deal, you think the Pac-12 is dying, then maybe you do have to take matters into your own hand and cut and run and and, and go get your check. And these TV deals, uh, I don't know the TV deal for the Pac-12. Does anybody know what's in it? I mean, <laughs> no, they don't even know. It's allegedly they were going to announce it this week. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know, you've lost your biggest market, or you're going to. Right. Um, to me, that can't be understated. The loss of those two schools uh, to the Big Ten is is just incredible to me. It's it's unimaginable. That the two LA and of course, what do they do? They go together. Right. So that's why I think if Arizona does go somewhere else, Arizona State has to go with them. Um, for by the way, travel costs, all these other little hidden things that people don't think about. You know, 
if the swim teams are meeting someplace, they just both get on a bus. Whoop, let's go to the pool. No problem. Same with the golf. You know, these schools, that these sports that are smaller sports that don't get much attention, but do cost money. And, you know, so travel partners and all this other stuff, that, that stuff matters. No question. It's going to be it's really crazy. I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling every year. It's almost like the the five of us that are on four right now on the screen, there's Bubba, five, uh, we could start throwing around, you know, rumors, just making stuff up. And then all of a sudden people start, you know, saying, wow, did you hear about that? Did you hear about the uh, this rivalry gone and we're going to move this team to there? And it's just, uh, it's really, that's one thing that's really hard is when you're a parent and you're trying to teach your children about the different conferences and, <laughs> and where they are. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. They're back in the Big 12, like Colorado. You know, it's, it's well, not. It, they're testing us. And I don't know if we'll ever be at a point where fans will go, okay, you know what? I don't know where anybody is anymore. I'm done with you guys. And I don't see that happening. Right. You know, because you mentioned it right off the top about college football's off season. There almost isn't one anymore. Right. You know, the NFL has the same disease. They have to have gym class like three times a year before they even start training camp. People actually tune in to watch guys run 40-yard dashes indoors in T-shirt and shorts. They actually get Google Google-eyed over a guy, a quarterback, throwing passes with nobody else around him but the receiver running a pattern. And they watch this. No one's trying to hit the guy. No one fell down running their pattern. No defensive back jumps the route and takes the pass the other way. No running back misses a block and the quarterback gets clobbered. It's just a guy standing there in practice gear throwing a ball, and we're judging off of that. Right. So, you know, there's an appetite that it can't be sated right now. I wonder if in 10 years, 15 years, there is a pushback. And I think the pushback may come if we ever get to a point where the networks will start to charge you for the ability to watch games that you used to get for free. Dude, I, don't I don't mean ESPN plus stuff where you have smaller games, smaller conferences. And if you want to watch like uh, the Ivy league, for example, you know, you have to buy a subscription. That's what I want to see. It finally be that pushback from the public or if they just going to go ahead. How much? Yeah. Dave, do you remember uh, speaking of ESPN? Uh, do you remember, was it 84 when ESPN tried to charge for college basketball, I may have been the ACC, but they tried it for like one season. It was very, uh, very, very, they tried to do it and it was mm -hmm. a huge failure, but it was, that was way, way back in the early days of ESPN. Yeah. But we're conditioned now to pay for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was I watching today? A Netflix documentary on the late Bill Russell. Did I get that for free? No, I'm paying for that. Um, and other streaming services around the house. I do have some. Uh, some my wife likes to watch, some I like to watch, some we watch together, whatever. So we're, we're more uh, willing to do that than ever before because we've realized, well, shoot, if we want to watch any of this stuff, this is it. That's why I, I, I don't even pay much attention anymore when they announce television ratings for, for, for things because I realize, well, was this thing streamed? If so, how many people were watching it on their phones? or on their computers, as opposed to in front of a television set. Um, but that's what I wonder. I mean, is there going to be, okay, you want to really want to watch this new Big Ten, do you? Well, we've got some good news for you. For only $150 a year, you can do so. People will shell out for that. The 
question is how many will right. shell out for that and will it be worthwhile or will there finally be blowback from people that, because again the younger people are the ones who are used to paying for this stuff and we're not and i'm not so will that younger audience be willing to go oh yeah this is just like netflix this is just like you know paramount plus or whatever i'll pay for it it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to see that it's almost like the uh i tell people about you know we, we had the over the air channels and we went to cable and now it's kind of like streaming with uh i was talking to a friend of mine before the show about michigan and east carolina are going to be on peacock and it's so funny oh, is that some, right yeah some of our fans are going to go how in the world do you get peacock how in the world and then it's like you're going that's the world we live in now is is like it's going from cable and whether we like streaming or don't like streaming, whether we like the transfer portal, NIL, conference free alignment, any of that stuff, it's happening. So you have to kind of embrace. They're putting Michigan on Peacock for a reason because oh, it's yeah. the first, first game of a team that could be potentially winning the national championship. I don't blame them one bit for doing that. And, and, and you know, I think the uh, same thing with the ACC network. Uh, they've got Florida State on a bunch of times. Um, Clemson a bunch of times. Yeah, you'll get them when they play each other. No, they won't be on the ACC network. Um, but, you know, it, it's all the time. It, it's a great test. And you know what? People will find it. The Michigan fans will certainly find it. I'm quite sure there's plenty of Pirates fans who are going to figure it out. Either that or somebody, you know, opens up their sports bar and does the smart thing and pays for all that and just says, hey, come watch the game here, you know. Let's uh, let's cut our chicken wing prices and and uh, set up a little pep rally, a pirates pep rally at the local sports bar down there, and and make a small fortune promoting the game that way. That's what I would do if I ran a bar there. Um, but no, it, it, it's it's not surprising to hear that because this is all part of that new NBC Big Ten deal, and they still have Notre Dame, NBC, the network of the Olympics is also recognized, you know, we have been falling behind. We don't have, you know, we're falling behind on college football. We got to get into this a little bit more. And they have. And big, uh, they have really big time. In fact, Brandon even talks about, I want to get your thoughts on this. He, the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips at their media day says they are getting a TV deal with a CB network. The CW. CW. I mean, yeah. The network of live golf. Um, <laughs> I mean, that might help for lesser games. That might get you a good Boston College-Syracuse uh, noon game, right. you know, uh, in the Dome. when Like the old Raycom? Three and eight. Yeah, I think that's all that is. Um, it's just a bone. And if, if, if they can make money off of it, bless them. Good for them. Um, but I don't know how many people uh, – I mean, to me, the CW has always been for, like, younger folks programming, right. if I remember correctly. And right. it's and now they picked up sports with Live Golf. Maybe that network is deciding, hey, I you know we want to start investing a little bit, a few more dollars in sports. So we'll we'll throw some test lines. I don't think Live Golf does anything for them, but college football will do something for them. You know, you know what the theme to all this 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 whole conversation is, guys. We are taking not we personally, but you know we are taking the most perfect sport we had in this country in college football, and we're making it worse. We're making it worse. By taking away the regional rivalries, 
uh, all this conference expansion, it, it really is just becoming very frustrating. It's become very well. The aggressive. playoff expansion it, to me is frustrating. Also, um, we're still. I think we're still having our conference title games, right? Yeah. So we're just going to beat the crap out of these players to satisfy social media and the networks. Um, you know, we're. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I thought you had a nice little thing going here. And now our new controversy is, well, the ninth team got left out. Oh, great. More air being sucked out of the planet to talk about that. They're exhausting us. They are testing our patience. At the moment, everybody seems to be willing to go along with it. And I don't know if people will continue to do so. I don't know what they're looking for from the playoffs. I think, I think I know what they're looking for. I think what the network would dearly love to have more than anything else would be a, uh, a VCU, uh, God, who's the team? George Mason kind of thing that happened in college basketball with the total unknown gets in there. FAU, San Diego State last year, into the Final Four, and you have something other than another Georgia-Alabama game, something other than Michigan versus USC. Yeah, that's brand name football, but it's the same stuff every year. I think that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping that somebody comes out of there and wins a couple to get that underdog that America can root for. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be the same old and more of it. Is that what we want? The public will answer that question. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun uh, for sure. And I hope. Well, you know, Dave, for us, it's like. Uh, East Carolina, uh, if we win the American, we've got a good shot to get in the playoff. And mm -hmm. it, whether we can win it or not, at least we have a shot to get in it. Where right now, East Carolina basketball, even though realistically we can't win the basketball uh, tournament, but on paper, we, we know what we have to do to get in the tournament. And that's the one thing for college football for me. It's just been, it's really not to knock on the network of ESPN, but it's a ABC, but it's a made for TV event. That's for me. For those of us that are the not doing anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to take this example to the football side, I mean, you saw when Cincinnati went to the playoff a few years back, right? All of the traditionalists were so against it. You know, they hated the fact that Cincinnati got there. And then when they lost to Alabama, you know, the narrative became, oh, well, see, they got blown out. But in reality, mm -hmm. Alabama blew everybody out, not just since, you know, it wasn't just right. Cincinnati. And they actually played them as tough as many SEC schools that year. But, it, you know, it, it's, it's, so it can happen. Now, you know, occasionally you could get a UCF, you know, like you had with Blake Bortles, who finds a way to sneak in. Maybe you get a Boise State. Uh, you know, That's you what they're counting on. The but yeah. is it few and far between? Absolutely. And that's just because of, the way the game has been structured over a hundred years. You know, these, these schools continue to bring in the best players. They continue to have the best facilities. They continue to have everything that they ever need. And now with NIL deals, they can afford uh, to do things, you know, as I mentioned early in the show, right out in front of the open in the open, I should say, as opposed to that's why the Harbaugh thing was hilarious. All this crap about a hamburger. Um, just give him a franchise. Hey, you know what? Here, Come to Michigan. You can have this franchise. Good luck. We love you. Go blue. Um, yeah, I. It's. It, I like the fact. The only thing I do like about the expanded playoffs is it does 
give the uh, the other schools a better chance that wouldn't get a chance before. That's the only thing that's good about it. Uh, I'm I, I have this weird thing about player safety now, and I, I I think less is more. But we're getting more football, more football, more days. Look at the NFL now. We're telling these guys, hey, beat the hell out of each other on Sunday, but you're on Thursday night too. Uh, oh, by the way, we're going to play on Fridays this year, you know, it's because, crazy. you know, and, and we're adding some more Saturdays, but don't worry about, you know, your health. Look at what you're getting paid. And <laughs> it really is ironic. It's interesting because all the talk about concussions and, and in my opinion, right. guys, in my, I'll echo your thoughts there, Dave. Thursday night NFL football is Horrible. the worst thing. I will never, ever, ever watch it, ever. I just can't watch. Terrible. You can only dedicate so many days during the week to watch football. Right. Now, I love football as much as anybody, but I just can't go. I can't start going Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I have a life besides watching football. You know, you so bring that up. It's, it's interesting because I have that same uh, candle burning as you do. And uh, especially when I was in, you know, working for ESPN, uh, you spend, you know, all your time for the week getting ready. You're watching other games, too, just for fun. Then you do your game. Then you come home, and the NFL's on. And by the time Sunday Night Football was on, it could have been, you know, the 66 Packers versus the 72 Dolphins, and I wouldn't watch. <laughs> I had to have a break. And then Monday night was almost a guaranteed no way, unless right. I had a rooting interest in the game. Uh, and it's the same thing with Thursday. Uh, it's – I no, I'm with you. And then they, you know, I understand the NFL trying to sell more uniforms with the color rush and all the other stuff. That's all marketing. But if I'm tired and I'm just sitting on my butt, what's happening to these guys, these men that we're asking to put their bodies on the line every day? Uh, you know, plus the training and all the other stuff that they have to do, weightlifting, and I don't know how much they do during the season, but you know, it's it is a bit much. It's greedy. But we're a greedy people. We like greed. We're into it. Yeah, so. and we haven't even and we haven't even talking about guys. Even though I like it from the marketing part of it, but as far as the players are concerned, what about all these games around the world, like in London and they're you know mm -hmm. like Mexico City and they're putting them. You know, I understand why they're doing it to build your brand. But as far as the players are concerned, you know, look at Jacksonville. It seems like Jacksonville, the Jaguars, might as well be playing in London every year. I well, mean, the like, owner is responsible for that, but I remember it was the Packers who had to go to London and then play the next week and then play on a Thursday. I think it was some bizarre thing like that yeah. where they had three games in 17 days with international travel. Yeah. And I've been to Green Bay, and I can tell you that, you know, yeah, even with a charter jet, going to London is a hell of a haul. And then coming back, and then, okay, great. And then they had to play on Thursday. Well, the time they got that Thursday game, there was nothing available. That's exactly right. Nothing. You can't do that kind of thing. And But again, I don't know if the public cares. I think there's a lot of people in the public who look at the salaries that players make, not realizing that you know one bad step could put a halt to that in a heartbeat, not realizing that not many of these contracts are guaranteed. The signing bonuses are, but the contracts aren't, many of them. Right. And just think, you know what? Hell of it. You're making a lot of money. Go out there and play. And the owners always have more at the end. And this is why, <laughs> because they just keep <laughs> making these deals that bring them even more money 
and allow them to do whatever they want with it. Um, it's, it's, it's getting too much. I'm still a fan of football. I still watch it. I certainly will spend time. You know, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I do some gambling writing for Mark Lawrence's newsletter, uh, especially if the college season comes up. Uh, written plenty of pirate stories uh, in the last couple of years. For oh, really? Guys. Well, stuff. just little little betting blurbs. Uh, but at Mark Lawrence, Mark with a C, if you ever want to look at his stuff, um, I, I'm one of the contributing writers, and his preview issue is out. I'm, I, I wrote the NFL and a lot of the college stuff. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's all great fun. Uh, and I'm still into it, but I, I have to wonder, are we just going to end up Another Monty Python reference, Mr. Creosote. I think it was the third Python movie. The guy who is so fat, and he and he and they try to convince him to eat a mint, like a mint that's about that thin, and he tells him, "No, I'm not going to do it." And he tells him in much more colorful language, and he finally eats it, and he explodes. <laughs> and I wonder if that's what we're going to happen to us one day with, with pro football. And we're just going to get like Mr. Creosote and be 650 pounds, and that one last Thursday night game between uh, you know Jacksonville and Carolina, and the mint is going to hit our mouths, and we're going to blow up and be dead. Oh, gosh. I like these, I like these Monty Python references. Yeah, there. I'm a huge fan. I, I love mean, it. I haven't seen it in a long time. used to watch it when I was a teenager in uh, college yeah. years, but I need to get back in the back in the groove of that Monty Python stuff. It was I just thought of it, too, because not, it's not, Mr. Creosote is not something that's on my mind every day. But, yeah, it's just it's the greed, and right now it's working. You have to admit it's working and they're in the news every day and you look at right. recruiting stuff every day, every day. I can't. And now that the hurricanes, just to use Miami as an example, since that's my team in my area, I, I won't be able to avoid them now until the season's over. Even if I wanted to, I can't avoid it. Now the camp starts tomorrow. Well, we're going to get a million stories, most of which are the same stories. They just plug in different names. Right. Um, you know, now we're going to and everything's great. Because you haven't started playing yet. And I'll be equally honest. This is kind of the time of the year where I will tune out. Uh, and and luckily, I like baseball. In fact, I'm jazzed about Major League Baseball right now because several reasons. One of them is uh, I've been an Orioles fan since I was about 11. And they're having a fabulous year. Another reason sure. is Major League Baseball has so much ridiculous young talent that you can't help but be excited about where the game is going with these guys. Almost everybody's got a stud or two or three that are young. Plus, you've got Otani doing things that we've never seen in our lives. But there's other things for me that I can occupy myself with. And then, oh, it's the end of August? Let's go. It's going to be great, uh, Dave. Uh, and by by the way, I have one more question. You know, we have yeah. a, we, we're having trouble. Hot, we're, we're getting ready to seg to our round table. But before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, we're having trouble hiring a play-by-play guy. Will you do it for us? We need a We need a voice. Listen, uh, call me. You guys know where to find me. I'd be happy to pitch in. Uh, I've always had a wonderful time and he visit to Greenville I had, and, and uh, you've got great fans there. So if I can help you in some way, let me know. Hey, Kyle, Matt, we've got a guy right there. There's Dave Lamont. He'll come on and he'll be our new voice. Did you, gradu did you graduate from the school you claimed to graduated from? I did. I Good. did. All right. Uh, I was actually, I can even tell you who spoke at my graduation ceremony, and I was bitterly disappointed. It was the prime minister of Jamaica. 
Uh, <laughs> well, okay, well, well I probably the, to, he, probably, he probably has some good green. I had the uh, – Not I back then. The, <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet he did. Just not on him. Well, he wasn't sharing. Um, you know, and I don't know if he shared with the president of the university at the time, who's Tad Foote, who's the guy who was not a football fan. But, uh, yes, I did graduate from the University of Miami. I have no idea where my damn right. diploma is, though. So don't even ask me because I do not know. I know where my wife's diploma is, but I do not know where mine is. But, yes, I have evidence of that. Good. Dave, just so you know, we have a, uh, you know, when we hire a play-by-play guy here at East Carolina, it's at least an eight-month process minimum. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. The most, it's the most extensive process known yeah. to man. And then apparently. we make the hire and, and can't verify that he graduated from the university, yeah, okay, we'll tell you what happened real fast, Dave. He knows. Uh, Dave knows. Uh, okay, you know. Well, I read the story. the story. I mean, I don't know if I missed something in the in the translation, but I did read. Yeah, the story. He claimed he graduated from East Carolina, and he he dropped that his sophomore year. I, I just I just don't understand how you think you're going to get away with that at the Even university the, you, you claimed to graduated from. I mean, that's something you brag about when you're having a beer. Uh, oh, I went to East Carolina. Well, yeah, you did. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I do feel badly for him in some ways. I mean, losing a job like that is painful. Yeah, I've absolutely. had these jobs taken from me, um, and it, it, it does hurt. And it's and it's going to take some to recover. And I'm guy. sure he is. I, I've never met him. I don't know anything about him. But you do, you know, this is an era where we're much more careful about things than we used to be, uh, as far as hiring, as far as what you can say and what you can't say. Look at the guys in D.C. who got canned. Or the guy in D.C. got canned for making a crack that, you know, would have worked 30 years ago, but ain't working now. Um, and, yeah, the, and I'm actually, most of it's for the good, uh, being careful and being accurate and being truthful. Because it's like when you lie in a relationship, can you get it, you know, does that mean you're always going to lie? Uh, that's, you know, you do have to be smart about that. So I can tell you this. I have never graduated from East Carolina, and I don't know if that's going to hurt. <laughs> No, but I, that is also true. All right. Well, we'll definitely be in touch. We have your phone number, and uh, we, if uh, the powers that be at East Carolina need, uh, we'll be glad to uh, text that. Even attempt. If it takes you eight months and you need a guy to sit there for a little while, I'll sit there for a little while. I'll just tell the school that I'm working at, you know, come on, you knew what this was. So, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How can people find you on social media before we let you go? Well, you got my Twitter up there, Dave Lamont yep. one, um, yep. Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Um, and I have also been doing work this summer. I am still involved in professional bowling, uh, with bowl TV, which is oh, a subscription cool. service. There you go. Uh, but a good one because it's basically all the bowling in the world under one umbrella practically. So if you like women, you like college, you like the, uh, the senior tour or the younger tour, it's all there. So I'll actually be heading uh, back to where my almost close to my old home about 20 minutes from my old house. And I grew up in Northern Virginia this weekend. And then a couple of events in Florida in August, because of course, why would you, you know, scheduling them in August was interesting, but, uh, and then that'll be it for a little while, but yeah, you can find me on bowl TV as well. And um, we'll see what happens after that. Uh, but uh, I'm again, thank you guys for having me on. I uh, really appreciate the time. I know we ran, my dog is really mad at me right now, but um <laughs> And you saw one of my cats didn't seem to be over thrilled uh, with me talking yep. this long, but this was a lot of fun. So thank you for having me. Sure thing. And uh, good Thanks luck to you much, on Dave. Bull TV. And we'll talk thank to you, you again soon. Anytime. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care, Dave. Bye-bye. All right. Great to have uh, Dave on tonight as always. As, uh, he's great. And guys, uh, wow. 
Um, what a night so far. Two great guests, and now we're doing our roundtable and uh, a subject that's uh, hits close to home with us uh, when it comes to play-by-play is uh, the story that broke last Friday. And, um, you know, one of the things I thought about before Matt and Kyle, before the very fact of it was uh, very painful for me to read because our university should never be a punchline. And uh, I was very upset about that on Friday. Um, you know, when it comes to WRAL and Raleigh, uh, the Triangle School, uh, Triangle uh, Media, the only time that they cover us is when something bad happens. Um, they never cover us when um, anything good happens. Um, so that really hurt. I knew that was coming. Uh, you can see that a mile away. Um, but just really disappointed by this whole process. I've tried really hard to coach myself uh, this afternoon uh, for both you guys to try really hard not to be as emotional as I want to be um, because this is really important to me. You know, Bubba was talking about uh, the fact which we lost Jeff Charles, a friend, a dear friend on February 10th. And obviously, Matt, we're not going to be hiring a guy in April or May. Um, but it, for starters, this process should have uh, started in May or June, and we should not even be entering fall camp without a voice of the Pirates. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Kyle, I mean, I don't know if you want to jump in here and get the first word on this. Uh, I know you have some pretty passionate thoughts about it. I certainly have my thoughts. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to Kyle first because uh, I know Kyle's got a lot to say about I, this one. I yield my, t- my, my time to Kyle from LaGrange Baba. Go for it, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, you you look at the whole process um waited until july you know you you form a committee because you got to have a committee you got to have a committee um you you know you you can't just ask people that that you know this whole play five media play fly media thing you know whoever this clay walker guy is you know i don't know clay walker i haven't met him maybe he's a hell of a guy i don't know i don't want to comment on him i haven't met him but you know won't get into everything you've heard, we've heard behind the scenes, the way things went down. You know, if, let's start with Chris Edwards. Chris Edwards is a good guy. I had heard, and in fact, I mentioned it in passing on the podcast. Um, yes, you did. Uh, we knew that. that. That he wasn't an alum. And when the when the statement came out, or excuse me, that he wasn't a graduate, that he dropped out of sophomore year. And when the, when the when they released the, the statement that Chris Edwards was hired, they said he graduated in 2010. And I said, okay, well, I must have gotten bad information. To be sure, Kyle from LaGrange didn't have better information than the frigging school that hired him or Playfly that hired him. To be sure, my information wasn't better than Playfly or ECU, but it turns out it was. I wasn't wrong. They were. So, uh, first of all, I don't know how Chris Edwards, and Chris was a nice guy, and we liked him why he thought he was going to get away with lying about graduating from East Carolina while employed at East Carolina. It's not like he lied about graduating from Syracuse and then got a job at East Carolina. He literally said, hey, I'm going to go try to get a job at the school I'm lying. Even if it was previously on his Duke resume, he told Duke he graduated from East. You change it before you apply to East Carolina. Then – you know, I'm sure he had multiple times to come. He had to know eventually it was going to come out. 
Right. And, 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 and then how we didn't figure it out, how we didn't. We knew it. That's the we, problem. We, we, we knew it. You know what? I knew it. And we thought we, we, we thought, well, we must have had bad information. Yep. And, and it, it, apparently not. And, and what I'll say now, you know, I got a lot of things I want to say about a lot. Um, but what I'll say now to anybody who wants to listen, not listen, uh, I think Kyle from LaGrange is loud mouth that don't know, you know, shit from apple butter. Um, let me tell you, it, it ain't that hard. If Chris Haymeyer still wants the job, the voice of the Campbell Camels, if Chris Haymeyer, who has strong ties to Eastern North Carolina, former sportscaster at WCTI, called games for ECU baseball, called games for the Kissing Indians. I got the logo on my face. I'm trying to get in love. Um, there we go. So, if Haymeyer still wants the job, just hire Chris Haymeyer. We don't need another search. For the love of God, don't have an interim guy this football season. That is a disgrace to Jeff Charles. If yep. you have some interim, just hire Haymeyer. Now, if Haymeyer don't want the job anymore, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. Um, but hold on, hold on. I'll finish, and I'll just okay. shut up. You, you can talk. Um, but it's it's. <laughs> You know, you, you point a lot of fingers. The first finger needs to be pointed at Chris Edwards. Yeah. Um, then, then, obviously, Clay Walker and Playfly, you got to put a finger at him. And, and and then, to me, yeah, Gilbert has some accountability here because he's the athletic director. And, you know, I, today, reading the statement, it sounded like he was trying to, um, in a nice way, um, the way I read it, you can read between the lines. It sounds like, you know, Playfly was primarily responsible here for, for this mistake. And, um Clay Walker, and again, I haven't met Clay. I'm not, I'm not bashing Clay. Maybe he's a hell of a guy, but um, this is this is a mess. This is stupid. This should have never happened. It's embarrassing. And um, I got some other things, you know, that I want to talk <laughs> about with the athletic department. But we're okay. focusing on this right now. So go ahead, Matt. I I want to interject really quick, and I'm going to pitch it to you. So um, stand by. Here's here's uh, I will tell you this. This is what we know. And I will tell you the thing that I told you guys, I told you guys when all this came down, the thing that upsets me the most is there were people, and I'm not trying to start conspiracies. All I will say is it's funny how, how do you not know? Because we live in the world of 2023 to verify. I know um, Elliot talked about that. Numerous resumes, you know, with uh, where you went to high school, college, that sort of thing. Okay, so that's that. But here's the deal. They were, I don't know about, I'm not going to put it on John Gilbert. I like him a lot. I've said that. Um, well, here, here's when, the thing. Here's, Dave, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to say something. This is a point on to what you're saying. There was like 200 people at the beginning of this process. Yep. There was a process to get it down to the final five. Yep. So how do you not verify everybody's resume during that process? If you get them down right. to the final five, shouldn't you have vented and verified everything they said to, at that yep. point for them to be in the final five? Yeah. And there's people that, you know, uh, even our friend uh, that does baseball with Scott Rogers with Scooter, he, <laughs> I'm not laughing at him, but he actually graduated on Friday. Uh, it was recently in the last few days he graduated. So, um, you know, Matt, when here's where I'm at with the whole thing, there were people that knew, um, that he did not graduate. And the frustrating thing is why didn't they, 
be like a whistleblower? Why didn't anyone listen to them? Why did not, you know, in other words, as Kyle would say, for the love of God, for the love of East Carolina, why did you let this process go all the way to where we had uh, Gilbert actually (laughs) introduced Edwards uh, with big alums, um, you know, like donors. And I feel bad for Gilbert then. I don't think that he knew. Um, but there's no, a lot no, of Gilbert did not know, but he should have. But, but the thing is the thing that I will say, and I'll say it this way because I'm trying really hard. It's a delicate situation. I'm not trying to hit a man when he's down, but the situation is such that somebody, Matt, this is where I want to bring you in. Somebody, I'm going to do a Semenza needs to be accountable and responsible. You cannot. let me repeat this. You cannot be a leader and not have accountability and responsibility. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. You look at Cliff Godwin, for example, as a coach. When the team doesn't do well, does he blame everybody else? The bad boy, the coaches, the players? No. He puts it on himself. I He will say something like, I didn't have the guys ready for tonight. And he takes responsibility, whether the guys played awful and it's really not his fault. He's a real leader. That's what you have to do in this situation. You know how you fix this situation? You fix this situation by taking accountability and responsibility, and no one has done that. And that's my – I'm going to pass it to you to Matt because I'm trying not to get emotional about it, but it's really frustrating to me that when you have an embarrassing situation like this, we have nobody that has anything between their legs since our gentleman and says, hey, I screwed up. I'm resigning. I screwed up. We'll do a better job. Something. You cannot just put a statement out. I love John Gilbert. He, I know he didn't have anything to do with it, so I don't want any flags yes, there. He, he, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He did have something to do with it. He, he, the was, problem, the athletic, he was the athletic director. Now, well, here's he, the, I, I know Play, Play Fly and Clay Walker, you know, Play Fly, he, he, the, Chris Edwards is an employee of Play Fly. Okay. Right. Well, you know, it sounds like Gilbert made the call to uh, maybe I'll speak it out of turn. But it sounds like Gilbert made the call that that you know he shouldn't have the job now because he lied, basically embarrassed Gilbert because Gilbert went around and introduced him to everybody in the world. Right. So uh, you know I, I don't know. There, there, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. If you, you hadn't commented on this yet, so say what you want to say about it. Well, the whole thing just reeks of JV. You know, it's it's just so JV, and it, you know it's really embarrassing to the university, and you know. I, I'll be honest, I've seen this happen at least 10 times in the business world during my career where someone was hired, uh, whatever the situation, maybe they lied about the university they graduated from or didn't, or just their background in general, their qualifications. I've seen this happen numerous times in the business world where people were hired and then fired, you know, less than two weeks later because they lied on their resume. But, you know, I, I think the point is here is somebody does have to be held accountable. Now, Playfly, if their responsibility was to do the background check, first of all, a terrible job because it took way too long. Right. There's no way in hell this should take seven <laughs> months to find somebody. It just it shouldn't happen. We're not we're not basically trying to find the next president of the United States. Correct. You know, so so the first of all, that that's that's my thing. That the length of time was way out of control from the beginning. Right. Um, and then you just throw in the fact that, you know, to miss a background check like this after such an extensive process, somebody does need to be held accountable. And 
If it is the guy from from Playfly that I, I don't know his name, Kyle Clay what's his Walker. Name? Clay, Clay Walker. Clay, Clay Walker. Country star. Then, then his our relationship with him should be terminated in in some way. I mean, there should be a new uh, individual that we're working with here at East Carolina because at the end of the day, whoever made the mistake, it reflects poorly on East Carolina. That's right. what people will remember. At the end of the day, it makes us look bad as a university. So. Again, it's it, the whole situation is right. bush league, and had, um, and you hope I, that somebody's held accountable. You hope. I so. just know. I just know. I keep going back to how does it happen at the school? Okay, again, I keep saying this is the part that just gets me the most. How do you lie about the school you graduated from when they are hiring you and not know you're going to get caught? And you would have got away with it too if it wasn't for those pesky kids. I mean, I I, I just don't. <laughs> I just well, don't understand how you go. I, how do you not know that that's going to backfire? And how do we not catch? How in the hell did his professor not go through? You know, he never graduated. I mean, I just don't. I, <laughs> well, I, I agree. And so there should be. And, and this is so I had a conversation with Bubba about this. And I, I think you make a good point, Kyle. There should be a system of checks and balances, right? So, play, in other words, Playfly goes through their process, they do their background check. They recommend a certain individual. At that point, East Carolina has to step in and do a separate background right. check to confirm that this is, in fact, anytime you outsource business to another company, you have to have some form of checks and balances. Well, well it ought to so, well, be real easy for East Carolina to find out if somebody graduated from East Carolina. Exactly. And they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. Whoever I mean, it's that just is, stupid. Yeah. It's just, we, we can paint it with any kind of rainbow color. It's not Clay Walker's fault. It's not John Gilbert's fault. It's something, it's, it's, right. it's stupid. Well, here's, he, he lied about graduating from East Carolina. He wasn't trying to get a job at South Carolina. He was, I mean, how, how does that happen? That makes us look so moronic. It is embarrassing to everyone. Everyone involved, everyone not involved. Just, it's just, it's just stupid. I was in a great mood on Friday, and when I saw that tweet, that tweet, oh my God! You know, and Matt and Kyle, let me ask you a question: Who hired Playfly? Well, who's on the contract with Playfly? I, I, yeah, I, I'm assuming that was. Yeah, I, I don't know whose call that was. I would assume it was called the athletic department. Uh, I'm John Gilbert, Gilbert hired. Has John call Gilbert. On that. Gilbert yeah. hired. Let me tell you what what yeah. the deal is, guys. I, I see what you're saying. I, Learfield, yeah. Learfield is the gold standard. Okay, the gold standard. And you can tell me all day long. I've heard a lot, and I'm not going to talk about that. So again, I'm not going down that road. But just let me tell you something. Playfly is not Learfield. Okay? No, they're having a lot of growing pains, and they and did get us the beer deal. Yeah. It's a startup versus. The gold standard that's been around a long time. We talk about it all the time off the air. The Varsity yeah, app. We yeah. could go on and on with the. I, I'm assuming Gilbert's thought was that they don't have that many contracts. They'll make us a priority, and, right. and, and that's a fine thought. But did they? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I'm starting to wonder if they're a fly by night. Hey, play fly. Um, you know, some people start up a business just to sell it. Some yep. people will start. Some people will start a business up. Build up a clientele just to then sell back to Learfield, for example. Right. So I, I don't know what play, and I'm not. I'm not suggesting Playfly's doing that, but I'm. I'm just saying that does happen. 
And I, I don't know if that was their goal or if their goal was to be a genuine competitor to play fly, to uh, Learfield. I, I have no idea. Um, but but I'm just saying, um, at this point, what can make it right in, ter- in, 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 the, in, the, in the short term to the people that really care uh, would be to get Haymire in here. I think we can all agree on that. And I hope we're not hurting Chris Haymire by, by, by pushing him so hard because they may go, hey, well, they want Chris Haymire. We're going to hire somebody else. But, you know, I, I thought he was the best guy for the job to begin with. That's who I wanted over Edwards. Edwards was my second choice. But you guys know how, I, how, I've, how I've thought of Chris Haymire. And uh, that's who I wanted all along. And I still think we can make this right and hire Haymire. It, it, the sooner they can put, look, <laughs> I read you over a statement today and he said we would hear something soon. Look, brother, let me tell you something. Now. Let me tell you something, John Gilbert. Let me tell you something, Clay Walker. You, the best thing you can do is make a hire, make it fast, and put this behind you. Quick. Put this behind you. That's right. Quick and now and in a hurry. And, 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 and the longer you let this go on, and yeah, once the season gets here, people won't be talking about it because they'll be talking about football. But it'll be talked about in the, in, in the meantime unless you go ahead and get it behind you. So that would be my suggestion. Uh, let's get this behind us quick, fast, and in a hurry. And uh, maybe it already is. Maybe they've already made a call, but you're not going to hear it. I guarantee you, you're not going to hear whoever the next voice is until everything's been verified, solidified, quantified, and signed on the dotted line. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the one word that's been used a lot in our chat is is correct. It's embarrassing. You know, Matt, um, I, the one thing that drives me crazy is the overall theme, and I say this a lot, but we are a great university. We have the best fans of, of We are any... so damn good people lie about graduating here. <laughs> um, and again, we are not a punchline. I'm sick and tired of, this is the one thing I will say, cutting a promo like Kyle does. I'm sick and tired of people. This is small time. This is so small time, and we are big time. We deserve people that are passionate about East Carolina. If you take a check from East Carolina – Please be passionate about it. Yes. Stop just putting on purple and gold and smile. We need you to be passionate about it. Yeah. And when when you look at a situation where there's all these things behind the scenes, well, that Kyle know, and myself and yeah. Bubba and Matt never ever talk about. Okay, yeah, exactly. But, but people are really upset about this. And I had a friend of mine say, "Please don't bring it up tonight." And I said, "I'm going to talk about it because you Why saw it. We? Yeah, you, you got to talk about it." We yeah. are the sports objective, and, no, and we've got to talk about it. Whether yeah, we want thing, to is not, never, we don't want to talk about it. Why would I want thing, to talk about it? One thing I'm never going to do, and, and you know, and, and, and it's, it's, you know, maybe it, it may hurt us. It may hurt me. Who knows? It may hurt us in the long run. I'm never going to censor myself. I'm never going to be a yes man. I'm never going to tow the company line. I'm always going to speak the truth because at the end of the day, a yes man and people who tow the company line don't get a damn thing done. Um, you, 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 that's not how you grow. Uh, you know, you, you don't need those kind of people. Uh, those kind of people do you no good. And I, you know, p- people that hold people accountable, th- th- that's how you get things accomplished. And, you know, th- there's other things going on, man, that I, I don't, that, look, we're trying to raise and I'm going to, I'm going to get off on a tangent here and then we'll, we'll circle back around and we'll wrap this thing up, but we're trying to raise $60 million. Well, right now, and, and do we have any realistic shot of getting in the Pac-12? No. But when you see six American Athletic Conference teams, including Memphis, 
Florida Atlantic and Temple, all three on the East Coast, Memphis, quasi-East Coast, all putting in applications to join the Pac-12, and then you don't see East Carolina on that list. To, to me, it sends the wrong message. Um, it, it, it says that we're not trying to advance ourselves. We're happy where we are. We don't think that we can or should or could compete in a, in a Power 5 conference. And, you know, believe me, we've been around a lot longer than the people in charge have been around. We've seen this thing, and we've seen us get things accomplished when the Big East was the goal. We've seen, if you want to raise $60 million, you make it a lot easier on yourself to get out there and say, our goal is to get in a Power 5 conference, be it the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC. There's a lot of there's a lot of shuffling going on with conference realignment, and what we have to do is put ourselves in the best position possible to advance. But we're not saying any of that. We're not saying any of that. And I just don't understand that mindset. And now we can get back to, to, to the uh, – to the voice of the Pirates discussion, but I just had to get that in there. Well, I, I, I agree with you on all that, Kyle. And, you know, I, I do think it's 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 a small-time mindset. And, and to your point, you see several other schools throwing their their name out there, and they're trying to be aggressive, and they're trying to be in the mix. And, and Even Rice. Back, they just, Rice I mean, just joined the league. And they're – the, I mean, we're talking about – this is my Allen Iverson voice. We're talking about Rice. Uh, I mean, you got to be kidding me. That the fact, but so, but, but this is nothing new. This has been the case at East Carolina for the last thirty years. Well, that's not true. That's not constantly true. Terry Terry, Terry Holland. Take, well, Terry. take 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 aside Terry Holland, right? Because I I'll give him credit. You know how I feel. I have a lot of respect for Terry Holland, but we've constantly missed the boat as it relates to conference expansion outside of you know getting into the American. But yeah. Um, but but. One thing, you know, first thing I thought of, guys, and I don't know if you've talked about this, but getting back to to the voice situation, reminiscent of the George O'Leary situation, um, yeah, when yeah. he was hired to be the head coach at Notre Dame, correct. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys probably remember; you have a better memory than I do, but I don't know how long he was actually in place. Not long. I mean, it was not long like, at all. Maybe like a week, right? If I remember yeah. correctly, right. And, and, and I want to say this too. I, I hope Chris Edwards lands on his feet. I hope he learns from this and matures and, and is honest on his resume going forward and lands a job somewhere. A man needs to make a living. What he does for a living is call he's athletics. Good. He's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, he's good at what he does. And 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 I think, you know, I, I would like to think he would have been a candidate and got the job um, had he been honest on his resume. Because um, not having a degree does not affect his ability to do the job well, one damn bit. But uh, that's true. But I heard today that one of the quali- – and here's this is an interesting thing, guys, that a new wrinkle I heard earlier today, that um, you had to have a four-year degree. And well, so- I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Eh. Well, you know, if Chris Edwards knows the season that, that game and he knows he, he, he's calling college athletics, it might be time to finish your degree somewhere. Um, you know, maybe maybe go to the University of Phoenix online. I don't know, or the the I'm sure there's a bootleg broadcasting school out there where you can finish up your degree. So well, I mean, it just just it just I, I don't know, man. It, I, I'm I've said about all I can say. If you guys want to talk anymore, um, it's ten o'clock Eastern, a little after ten. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna drop out of here, guys. I'm wrapping up my portion of the show. Uh, for what it is, I'm sure I've pissed everybody off now. We won't get any guests for a while from that from the university. <laughs> we will. But uh, anyway, that's all I got. Matt, Dave, uh, it's been it's been good. Bubba, you're out there somewhere. All the listeners, we love you. 
And uh, I'm going to turn it over now to Matt and Dave. So long, everybody. All right. Good night, Kyle. Good night, John Boy. Yeah, you know, uh, Matt, what's uh, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on uh, as far as how do we? This is this is my thing, and um, and we'll wrap it up here in a couple minutes. I know you you have a life too, and a wife and kids and all that. Um, my question is, when you look at leadership, okay, and we have East Carolina, and we have a, a Pirates Unite campaign. We were talking today about uh, one of my friends, a big pirate was talking about the indoor practice facility. So my question to you is how do you like, we need that money raised like now. Right. And I was talking about the fact that one of my things, in addition to um, we've been talking about with uh, when it comes to the indoor practice facility, we've been talking about the money and there's seems to be, there's no urgency right now with that. You know, I, I don't want to talk anymore really about if you're good, move on real quick about this but as far as leadership goes um you are someone that you have to you're in sales and you know how the you know you have i'm sure i don't want to like bring this out of what where you work or anything like that but just generically speaking you've got to produce and if you don't produce you're out of there right so why can't we have people that are raising like yeah we've done well to a point but we still have anywhere between seven to ten million dollars on that indoor practice facility, and you being a former football player, I'm pitching that to you because I want the administration, I want everybody here to somebody that put on the purple and gold, a guy that beat uh, we were talking about Miami, thirty-one to six uh, down in the Orange Bowl, a lot of great wins in your tenure, bro. Uh, tell people about what an indoor practice facility means to you being a former player. Well, I, I mean, obviously, it's something that's 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 needed a thousand percent, which goes without saying. And, you know, it, it's something that's holding us back as a program. You know, all the coaches that have been here in recent history will tell you that how important it is to have a practice facility, how you can practice more efficiently uh, and just have a, a better quality practice. You know, get your players in an environment where they can be more productive in practice. So it goes without saying, first of all, that, you know, it, it's it's a must have. It's an absolute must have. And we needed this thing several years ago. So the way I see it, I mean, in order, if you want this program to get where it needs to be, and we all want this, to, you know, to be a premier program, we have to find a way to get this done sooner and later, because this is what recruits are looking at now. You know, I mean, everything now is about a competition in recruiting. So if you go to, you know, on two or three recruiting visits and, you know, one program doesn't have an indoor and the other one is hooked up with an indoor and all the, you know, the amenities and whatnot, where are you going to go? Um, that's what these recruits are looking at right now. So, you know, it, it's, it's very important. It has to happen. It has to happen sooner than later. Um, and, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, when we did the, when we revamped the stadium and the press box, I think that's where this program made some mistakes in terms of prioritizing what was most important at that well, time. And this should have been done years ago. That's the key right there, Matt, is that the what happened, and this, this is my final thing I'm going to say, and then we can wrap it up. I've been saying for over five years on this show, I've been consistent. One of the things I talked about uh, before this administration got here, we need a master plan. I'm going to ask everybody at the Ward Sports Medicine Building Please, for the love of God, come up with a master plan. 
that's what happened. Uh, we need to be proactive. You know, I see a sign every day driving to work, uh, Matt and a marquee at a school. And you know what it says? Be proactive. Be proactive. And that's the problem right now is we're, again, with a situation, with a voice situation. You can't be reactive. We've got to be ahead of everything. And you know what? We had no idea of COVID. We even have numbers, by the way. I work at a hospital. The numbers are going back up. So please be uh, careful out there when it comes to um, COVID is not dead. We have people that come in the hospital all the time and say COVID is dead. It's not. But anyway, uh, we don't know when those kind of things are going to happen. I get it. But we need to have some kind of blueprint, some kind of direction, a vision. That's what Terry Holland was great about. The late, great Terry Holland, who, um, by the way, I will say this. Please put Terry Holland in the Hall of Fame. The man did a lot for our university. Please, for, as Kyle would say, please, for the love of God, put Terry Holland next year in the Hall of Fame. I'll just put one person. That's all I'll give. You can put everybody else you want to put in, but please put Terry Holland. But, uh, Matt, um, I, that's my thing is that uh, we got to have a master plan. In fact, don't, uh, don't think that we're going to stop at $60 million for Pirates Unite. This is something – that two or three hundred million is what we're going to have to raise, say over the next decade. Don't you think? To keep up with everything. Yeah, and that, and that's that's precisely the the issue, Dave. You know, and, and you go back to this whole conversation. You, you go back to our conversation with Dave Lamont about where this consolidation in college football and and conferences, conference expansion, and constant realignment every year. Um, money at the end of the day, it comes down to money. You, you've got to have the resources to be successful right. in football. And it's not going to stop. To your point, it's not going to stop with the right. indoor. Because guess what? When we build the indoor, a few years later, there's going to be something else that needs to be built because there always well, is in college athletics. And the question is, how do you – where do you go as an East Carolina to continue to raise that money? And, you know, the, the, the easiest way – you know, if you're in a power five school, as you look at the TV revenue, and that's my biggest concern. My When I think about the future of ECU right now, my biggest concern is that through all this realignment and expansion, we're going to be continue to be moved down in the ladder. And now the TV revenue goes from, you know, seven million to three million. And, and that that's a scary thought if you're an East mm -hmm. Carolina fan, because we're already struggling as it is. And we yep. simply can't afford to to lose out on that revenue. So these are major challenges. I think the best thing you can do to put yourself in position to be successful is hire the right people, right. hire people who are extremely motivated, have have very uh, you know set goals and metrics for people to achieve. And if those goals aren't met, you know this isn't the United States Congress where it's a lifetime you know appointment. I mean, you have to have. Right. Um, goals and, and hold people accountable. So a lot of challenges. I, I wish I had better answers, Dave, but it's not going to get any easier for the East Carolinas of the world. Thank God we have our fan base. I mean, we we're very fortunate yes. to have a great fan base here that a lot of schools don't have. No doubt about it. And we're going to, uh, I tell you what, I'm excited. I'm really excited about the uh, that number of 23 million out of 60 million. So we are on the right track as far as that. But the one word I will say, regarding Pirates Unite is urgency. It's missing right now. We need all the don't we need everyone on deck right now to give, 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 and give more. Only six percent of the Pirate Club have given to Pirates Unite. 
please do so. You can call 252-3, what is it, 737-4540. I was getting ready to use the wrong prefix, an old prefix, uh, 737-2540. Or you can just simply go online, ecupirateclub.com. Give them money. We want you to go out there and um, let's make make that happen. Uh, Matt, before we go, I want to remind everybody that we've got a big show. I'm looking forward to it. I wish you could be with us, man, um, uh, one Saturday or sometime soon. I'm going to take you to Porky's. I'll take Chase, whoever you bring, and it's on me um, because the food is outstanding. <laughs> I would um, love we're, to go. Yeah, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., Matt, we've got a huge event at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. They're back with us for, I know, the fall, um, again, for football season. Really excited. They invited us uh, out. We were going to do the show anyway, but uh, they said, hey, come on out and do the show live from Porky. So we're going to do it from 10 until noon. We've got one of the legendary coaches of Eastern North Carolina and North Carolina period. Harold Robinson is coming on Saturday morning. He'll be our first guest. A lot of great guests, including David uh, Glenn is going to be there. I know we also have um, not there, but on uh, virtually like right now we are. Uh, Rennie Angolia, we've got a lot of great people coming on over the two hours but it's our uh, college football preview uh matt this is uh for those of us that are looking forward to college football this will give you a little taste to get ready for college football what do you think sounds awesome i wish i could be there more than anything and yeah have some of that food. but uh i'll be able to patch in remotely so looking forward to it you know uh it's gonna be awesome and tomorrow's august 1st so once the calendar rolls around to august it's officially uh you know, you're starting to get into the feel of, uh, of football. So, uh, you know, just just kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting couple of weeks here as, as camp opens. And yep. Definitely no shortage of topics to talk about on the show. No, <laughs> Some that we don't even see coming. Porky's Backyard Barbecue is at 805 East Boulevard in Williamston. And give them a call, 252-661-0337. And uh, they do all your catering. Uh, they do a lot of catering. As a matter of fact, just give them a little bit of notice a day or so. And they'll, man, they cook a lot of chicken and barbecue and fish. But uh, make sure uh, to check it out. Porky's Backyard Barbecue in Williamston again on Saturday for our college football preview, 10 until noon. I also want to thank uh, our good friend at uh, LNK Custom Homes, Kevin Walker, good old KK. Um, he has been doing the show now, what is it, three, four years now uh, for the uh, our title sponsor for the Pirate uh, Football Playback that will be every Sunday night. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we appreciate uh, him very, very much uh, from LNK Custom Homes. Kevin Walker, uh, dude, thank you so much for everything. want to thank Bubba. As always, thank our guest. Thanks to Kyle. Again, uh, let me get that number real quick for Kevin Walker at LNK Custom Homes, 336-688-8461. Matt Bro, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much to you. Appreciate all that you do. And uh, by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Chase. I know he played his heart out down in the ATL and uh, played very, very well. Uh, so uh, appreciate you very much. And uh, thanks for being a great dad and a great representative of East Carolina. I appreciate you, bro. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for giving thanks for giving my son a shout out. You know, he uh, I'm going to brag on him for, for just a few seconds here. Sure. Because, uh, you know, Team Connecticut, we're obviously a, a smaller state geographically, but man, did we put together a hell of a team. And, you know, we went down to Georgia in the future games and you know, we were able to win our first three games against Michigan, New York, and Alabama. Um, and uh, ultimately, we, we did get knocked out by the same Alabama team in the playoff, seven to six. But, 
man, what a great job by those kids. We were, we were very proud. Chase represented himself really well. Good. Um, so it was an awesome opportunity. So uh, thanks again for the shout out. No doubt. Speaking of shout outs, we got one more. Whenever, this is really cool. How would you like, you know, Matt, you're younger than I am. I'm 50 years old. Elliot, I believe, is 51. One of our regular listeners and viewers, Elliot Jameson, he is actually retiring from the Highway Patrol. And I've already told Elliot. Wow, please, that's awesome. Yeah, please do not write. I do not want to be his last ticket. I do not want to do that, Elliot. I do not want to be, you know, like he's 51 years old and he gets to retire. So you get a chance, Elliot, to go to more games. And um, hopefully uh, I'll be careful on not driving too, too fast to the ball games to and from Greenville. And he retired. Oh, okay. I'm in luck. Hey, Matt, we're in luck. He retired last Tuesday. So I don't want to worry about a speeding ticket. I'm going to go as fast as I want. No, I won't yeah. really. I'm Congrats, not gonna Elliot. That, that... That's got to be an awesome, uh, an awesome feeling to to retire after so many years. Fifty-one. Thanks for your service, man. I mean, you know, JR uh, Chase Cements, a future pirate. I I'm trying really hard. I'm trying really hard. Thank you, JR. Hey, legacy recruit, legacy recruit, baby. Chase is an amazing athlete. Just like uh, you know, with uh, Shell, his son Randy is uh, going into tenth grade, and I'm trying to. And people are going to get mad, including the administration. But that guy is one heck of a football player. He's one heck of a uh, athlete. He he even plays uh, basketball AAU, and uh, he's a, a lacrosse player. Lacrosse, yeah. Yep. And I wish we could get a men's lacrosse team because I was like, Randy could be on that inaugural team. I'm just joking for anybody that. But uh, man, uh, Randy's great. Uh, Chase is great. We've got some great athletes. Uh, Bubba's son Riley is awesome. We've got Alex is great. Uh, our sons are just uh, the future is bright. For our sons, no matter what direction they go, but love hopefully to have a lot, them. Hopefully, a lot of future pirates, right? Right. That's there, right. That's right. Yeah. No doubt. That would, that would be, be a dream great. Come true. That would be. That totally would be great different. if they could play together, right? Oh, no <laughs> doubt. No. <laughs> Jr. Will, and and one thing we know is it'll be a fight between Jr. and Bubba on who can keep the stats for our sons uh, correctly. So, and I mean that with love to both of you because you'll just amaze me with your uh, knowledge. Um, by the way, uh, Brandon says my birthday month starts tomorrow. So happy birthday month to Brandon. So we need to get out Brandon, of here. You get a whole month. Yeah. That he's going to be 50. Month? He'll be 50 or 60 by the end of the month. So a birthday every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy birthday month, Brandon. I get, I get like a few hours. That's all. So, I get. So, yeah. Just wait till you're a dad. <laughs> you're lucky to remember your birthday and to celebrate it for sure. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thanks to Bubba very much. Thanks to Kyle. And uh, Matt as well. Appreciate all our great guests. And we'll get out of here. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Sports Objective. And as always, good night, everybody. And go Pirates. Uh, uh, uh.